of Talking During Movies, the podcast where we take key moments and quotes from a film to drive a two-hour conversation. It's been a while, folks. There was this little thing with weather, and then there was some work travel, and then, you know, it's just, you got to rebuild life after a couple inches of snow fell in Austin, Texas. So we're back. Everything's built back to normal, and uh, we got a great movie. We've got a great guest. I'm very excited, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, the often copied, never duplicated, Michael Harris. Sir, how are you? And it is another day in paradise in Austin, Texas, where it's actually like 70 degrees today rather than, uh, yeah, rather than 25. So any days <laughs> that it is uh, double digits at this point, like, man, I'll, I'll take them. <laughs> Absolutely, we'll take them. How about yourself? How are you doing? Dude, I'm great, man. It is, it's good to be back doing this. You know, I did a solo one. I still got to do another one. I got to do a Jaws with Paws 2, Grizzly 2 uh but you know it's 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 nice to have a guest it's nice to you know everybody's schedule across the u.s quite honestly i mean as soon as the snow left us it hit the it hit the east coast so i had some people jumping in and others jumping out and there's like oh you know no power i can't you know and then plus you had in covid and everything else and dude it's it is what it is and there's nothing wrong with that it's just you got to make do and thank god you know the the people in uh uh, Kazakhstan and uh, Uzbekistan and Peru and Spain and Brazil were all very patient emailing. Yeah. When's the next one? <laughs> just like, call me. Wow. <laughs> my shit together. <clears throat> so, yeah, we did some email exactly. exchanges. We had some fun. Um, you picked a movie, you picked the other guys. Tell us about this movie, why it's special to you, what it, what it kind of brings to you, all that jazz. Yeah, so the other guys, uh, I like backtrack a little bit more than that. So quarantine hit last year and a bunch of my buddies and I, we, we kind of like thought through movies that we want to watch and there are movies that came up and it's like, all right, like these movies were really good when we were younger, but there's always a nostalgia premium. You know exactly what I'm talking about too, oh, yeah. right? It's like, oh, like Space Jam. You, you think of that movie and you're like, oh, this movie is so good. And then you go back and watch it like, as you're a little bit older, you're like, oh, um, still a classic, but not, uh, not that great of a movie, you know? Yeah. And so I, I thought about the other guys. Um, and I, quite frankly, I, I probably watched it about a month ago. And I was like, all right, this one actually holds up. Uh, I still laugh, even though the plot, you look at the plot, like doesn't make sense at all. None of it would ever fly, but still, uh, still a movie where you can just kind of sit back, relax. And uh, I think Will Ferrell is usually the, the really loud guy 
mm-hmm. usually more of an action uh, comedy kind of guy. And in this one, he's he kind of takes a step back. He's more the mellow person. And Mark Wahlberg is the eccentric, just like, you know, action kind of more action comedy and Will Ferrell is more subtle. And mm-hmm. uh, man, there are a lot of lines with Will Ferrell in this movie where I crack up every single time. So it's probably more information than you wanted on why I chose this movie, but um, there's no nostalgia premium and, and seeing Will Ferrell take on a more, eh, it's not a serious role, but more of a serious role or, or subtle role. Yeah, uh, he took that turn, right? I mean, he took that hard left turn for right. a while and he did those dry, dark comedies, almost the way uh, Robin Williams, you know, before his life was tragically ended where he was going that route. Uh, and it's, I mean, dude, the guy is super talented. At the end of the day, I don't care what anyone says, you might not make you rib tickle laugh, but homeboy's funny. He's just funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and he's good Absolutely. for it. Yeah. And he was in a, uh, it, it's weird seeing him in actual dramas. There's mm-hmm. there's one in 20, it might have been 2011, where he plays an alcoholic. And I know there's yeah. some like comedic elements to it. But I, I remember watching, I was like, holy cow, like this guy can, this guy actually has acting chops. It's not just like, you know, stupid humor that you see in like Anchorman or Step Brothers. It's like, okay, this guy, like, he's good for a reason, you know? Yeah, I mean, he is, you know, I, I dare put this out there because obviously this other person has put out some horrendous movies, but he's also an extremely good actor and very funny and good in action. He is uh, a Nicolas Cage without tax problems. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, right? like, Nicolas Cage without tax problems. Here we go. All right, let's hit, Jesus Christ, it's fucking Let's uh, let's hit play here. As my, it's like your your history, your drives are all crashing. I'm like, it's Microsoft. Everything crashes on Microsoft. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, right. So as so as we're going okay. through the movie, as everything's kicking up, we're hitting play. Uh, this is also, I think, with you know everything that's happened in COVID, uh, all the restrictions that have happened, all the um, just all the bad things that have come about of it. One of the biggest ones is small businesses being hurt. So this is a really good opportunity to uh, share with people a couple of your favorite small businesses, you know, uh, uh, whether it's in Austin or another city that, uh, that you think, man, if you're going to come to this city, you're going to go to that city. That's the place you got to go. That's the beer you got to have. What are a couple you got off the top of your head there, Michael? Yes. Yeah. So I'll give the, I'll give three, one Perfect. shameless plug, uh, Iron Oak Wealth. We're, uh, it's the company that I work for. Uh, we're a small shop where we do, uh, full-fledged financial planning, investment strategies, uh, basically anything to do with your money. Mm-hmm. We can help you either grow it, preserve it, um, and even working with like estate lawyers and CPAs probably save you some money on taxes. So Iron Oak Wealth is, is number one plug. Uh, number two, Los Altos Coffee Company. Um, a, a buddy of mine runs that and whether it's their cold brew or their ground coffee uh, or the beans that they ship, Mm-hmm. Uh, which you can order online. Cannot recommend them enough. Uh, we order cold brew every two weeks and it's, uh, it has been a stable. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that it, it's been a staple in, uh, in the Iron Oak office. So I so, uh, can't recommend them enough and, and really ran by a, a solid guy. And then third is a uh, strain of hands whiskey. Okay. They're, uh, they're not really local. They're a, they're a pretty big company, but I just got back from hanging out with some guys that, uh, from Denver, and we drank some strain of hands. So, uh, always got to plug them whenever I can. Nice, man. I love it. We, uh, yeah, mine, uh, one, um, 
obviously a fourth tap brewery. Love those guys. think they're great. Uh, the whole team over there does an absolutely amazing job. They're a local brewery here in Austin. Branching outside of the great state of Texas, you know, uh, I would say if you are in the Montana area, especially Northwest Montana, hardy people, let me tell you, Kalispell, Montana, there is a wonderful little place called Moose's Pizza. It is a former ice house. So it was a, it was just a black box. It was an ice house. There's nothing in there at all. And they turn and this mafia family, allegedly, I mean, the person who was investigating them committed suicide by stabbing himself in the back six times. So obviously they were innocent. Uh, he brought his grandmother's pizza recipe over. And they only serve two things. Well, three things at this place. They got beer, they've got pizza, and they've got peanuts. That's it, nothing else. There's not even, they don't even have plates. You look at a map, you walk up to this little window and you look at a map and you go, I think I'm sitting here and they're like number 12 and you're like let's go with number 12 like what do you want tell them the pizza and they go great and you just go sit down there's no other paperwork there's not like you have a little sticker holding up i'm number 12 because you've told them allegedly where you're sitting and then you go sit down and they will just come by and they just drop a pizza down on the hot metal tin that just came out of the oven they just drop it down and they just give you a stack of napkins <laughs> they're like eat <laughs> well, your hospitality is award-winning. I just want to say, you guys, but it's it's some of the best pizza I've ever had in my life, ever. Absolutely fantastic. So this is, you know, as as the movie's kicking off, we got Sam Jackson and The Rock. Is there any more of an iconic person as far as growth goes? It just doesn't seem like he can make a mistake than The Rock. I mean, it's like him and Tom Cruise. They don't age, and even their flops aren't flops. Yeah, right. I I think the the general like principle with a rock movie is like you love the guy, but you know you, you know, you like you go into the movie and you're like, I know this is gonna be full of really bad one-liners. And I'm gonna <laughs> chuckle. And you're gonna talk about like acting chops, like I'm not gonna say he has the best acting chops, but he doesn't have the worst ones either. He's just kind of like a but but everybody yeah. loves him because he's such a great guy, right? Oh, so yeah. every every Fast and Furious movie, you know, he has like five one-liners for the two seconds that he's in it um, and, and everything else. So he's, uh, yeah, absolutely agree with what you're saying. He's great. And then, of course, Michael Keaton. I mean, let's, you know, <laughs> let us not forget about Michael Keaton. I mean, the resurgence of Michael Keaton. Oh, and, <laughs> God, dude, that this guy is, I mean from being the first Batman, where if that's the only time you were introduced to him, folks, you got to go back a little bit farther. Uh, you know, uh, Duplicity, was that what it was? Duplicity, where he made copies of himself so he could get more stuff done. Uh, he played a housewife. And I mean, he is just, dude, the guy is an amazing actor, an absolutely amazing actor. Could not, I mean, he's fantastic. Fantastic, folks. Go check out Michael Keaton and all of his work. That's for damn sure. Because if you're just catching this stuff, you're missing out on 20 years before this of epic, epic stuff. So, so Michael, where are you from? What, uh, what are you from, Texas? Where, where are you from? Yeah, man. So uh, I grew up in a little town called Kingwood, Texas, which is the north se- northeast side of Houston. Okay. Uh, went and kind of bounced around a few colleges, ended up at A&M. And then moved out to Arizona for like a, a training program for my job out there. And then I was out there for four months and then ended up in Austin, kind of get to choose where you get to go. And so um, 
you know, love the city of Austin. I'd visited a few times and it was one of those deals where, man, I, I love my parents to death, but I knew that if I worked in Houston that, you know, I'd get a text probably once a week saying from my mom, being like, Hey, uh, you know, we haven't been home for dinner lately. Uh, you want to, <laughs> you want to swing by, come say hi to everybody. That's right. <laughs> and so Austin's a good, Austin's a good, like three hours from mm -hmm. them. So, you know, I can still go home on the weekend or if I really need to make a day trip, I can, but um yeah I'll see since uh 2018. Now what you, you know you're, you're working in financial services obviously there's different layers of financial services and different licensing and everything that happens but it's also arguably you know I mean outside of let's say going through a drive-through in 1975 where you couldn't hear the person talking I mean finances are extremely frustrating they're like the number one cause of divorce you know, they, they just, they can create stress if you don't know how to ha manage them or don't know how to understand them. And honestly, they can kind of create more stress uh, when, um, when you try to figure it out and you think you've got it. <laughs> and you come to someone like you and you're like, I think I'm doing good. And you go, well, <laughs> you're not horrible. You're not Nicolas Cage bad, but you're Wesley Snipes. Yeah, we got to work you. on it. What is, yeah, what, so what kind of go. college, what kind of classes do you go to? How do you prepare for this? And, and what kind of drove you into this? Was it part of your personality, how you were raised? What, uh, what brought this about? Yeah, um, great question. So growing up, um, I, I, was, I also just say like in college, I met somebody who is part of financial services. And uh, quite frankly, I was either considering going into the military or doing financial services. So okay. basically the same thing, right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> And uh, yeah, yeah, it's just like, you know, uh, and ended up ha had the blessing of working out with some guys who were doing some pretty fast paced stuff in the military, uh, or would go on to do some pretty fast paced stuff. And, you know, I just, it was kind of one of those self realization moments where it's like, this lifestyle is, uh, is not for me. I, you know, I'm just not built for it. Mm -hmm. I have no, no shame in admitting it. Uh, could I have like gone through it and done it? probably would have quit. And so I, uh, I was like, man, financial services, um, you know, talked to my dad's financial advisor and he really, really seemed to love it. Said he had a really good work-life balance. Uh, and you still like, you still have to grind to a certain extent, but then sure. all your hard work pays off whenever you get a book of business mm -hmm. and then there you just kind of manage your assets and then grow as much as you want to. You know, the goal is you get to a place where you are able to just kind of sit back and, and take on clients as, as you please, or if it's a good fit. And uh, thankfully I'm in a pretty good position to where when people come to me, I, the first thing I do is kind of sit down with them and say, Hey, are, are we going to be a good fit? Are we going to work together? Sure. And so at the end of the day, I think what drives that is that I, I really do want to help people at the end of the day. Like I can make X amount of money, uh, but if I'm not helping people, then I, I I don't really feel fulfilled or I feel like I have a purpose. And so um, that's what I really like about my job is I can tangibly see how I'm impacting people's lives. And um, yeah, very fulfilling. Do you see that transition or, or maybe that spark? Maybe other people see it uh, in how you treat your friends and, and just how you are as a person or how you are as a person growing up. Cause there seems to be like the people that I know that are really good at, helping people or being cooks or chefs or, you know, creators, inspirers. They're also, they're on the top of that Rolodex when there's a phone call to be made, right? They're, uh, 
They're the, you know, they're the person that even if you're 40 and you're moving, you can probably call Michael and he's going to come help you get the couch out of the top four. Is that just an yeah, right. personality? <laughs> that might, might just become a, a part of the job and you have to realize that, you know, it's like, that's a part of it. So, um, yeah, I've been really fortunate to meet some really good people in Austin and, um, kind of like what you said, where a, a lot of the, the older guys in my life that kind of poured into me, mm-hmm. they're guys that even now I could, I could call up and, um, uh, you know, if I need a referral for anything, like if I need a CPA or, you know, an attorney in certain ways. And thankfully we have kind of our own, uh, that we work with through Iron Oak, but, okay. um, meeting some of those guys kind of inspired me where it's like, you know, I want to be, I, I want to aspire to be like them to where I'm the first call when somebody needs something. And so, um, you know, through a lot of networking and through like, you know, process of elimination and kind of figuring people out, um, I'm in a good spot where I can, I can kind of be that, but, um, yeah, it's funny you mentioned like calling somebody up and, and helping move because I helped somebody move like the other week. <laughs> <laughs> it's always like a the anticipation, like building up to it. It's like, oh man, like, all right, like, we're gonna go do this, and then you go do it, and you're like, oh, this is like, this is actually kind of fun, you know. And so um, I always say, like, I, I enjoy working out, and so I always say, you know, work out and have these, you know, decent muscles. Might as well use them at some point in life, right? Right. Absolutely. Doesn't take uh, doesn't take much muscle to to pound on a keyboard all day and call clients. So that's true. How does uh, you know, when you're um, when you're building out this, you know, and it's and it, it it's it's interesting, right? Because in in some capacity, and I don't think people realize this is that, and maybe they they just don't get it or they haven't got it in the past. You know, um, because I work in financial services as well, I, I understand this there is a level of service and commitment that you have to have for people who are out there looking or thinking or like, maybe I don't have enough money or, you know what, I got plenty of money, you know, I, whatever, whatever is popping up in their head, whatever is going on right or wrong. If they're going to go look for someone like you, what are the questions they need in their head? What are, what are are some things that they need to look for questions they need to ask to ensure that, they're not just getting someone who's going to plug some numbers into a keyboard, but they're actually going to get real service and someone that if they call, they're going to pick up the phone and answer. Yeah, that is a, uh, that's a good question. And I actually did a podcast on this uh, a few weeks back too. So uh, all, all fresh, right from mine. Nice. Uh, number one thing is, is uh, fee structure. Mm-hmm. If you walk into somebody's office and they can't tell you how much you're going to end up paying them over the year, you need to walk out of that office or if the answer is, it costs what it costs, right? That's probably the worst answer. And unfortunately, like people have used it before and people say, all right, well, it, it kind of costs what it costs. Um, so that's number one. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think in, in financial services, uh, we have a bad rap of, you know, like I have an advisor, I don't know how much I'm paying him or her. You should understand very clearly how you're, that person is compensated. Um, number two, and this is, I'm, I'm biased because I am on the independent independence side and I'm on the RIA side, mm-hmm. which is uh, you're a fiduciary. Just make sure. sure that your person is a fiduciary. Remember them. And a good way to kind of see that is ask them how they're compensated. They're comp- compensated in a fee-based way or a asset under management way, or they're taking a percentage of your assets. Mm-hmm. Usually 
that's an RA. And so, um, yeah, just ask them if they're a fiduciary because they're legally bound to act in your best interest. And most of the industry is moving that way, but you still some, have some broker dealers who are sm selling commission products. And over the long term, those commissions are really hurting your returns. So just be sure um, you know the fee structure and then uh, that they're a fiduciary. Uh, and then from there, you can kind of ask, you know, what their process is when it comes to investments uh, and then finding somebody who will actually answer the phone or call you back. I kind of have a policy with my clients where uh, if you call me and I don't call you back within, usually it is that day, but, you know, give me 24 hours. If I don't sure. get back to you in that time um, or the person doesn't get back to you in that time, then that's an issue. And I, I think that's just a general like I always think of if I'm in somebody else's shoes, I would want somebody to call me back pretty fast, yeah, especially I mean, I, if it's my money and I'm stressing out about it. Yeah. I tell people I'm not a pain in the ass. I'm horrible. I, I don't get it. I'm not smart at it. I've been working in it for 25 years. I still I'm just like, eh, whatever. And, and I, I, I talk to people and they're like, well, we're going to go, Hey, Hey, listen, understand this. I I've been around it too long. To where I know the, the cute words, I know the little lingo a little bit. I'm still not good at it and I have a lot of weird questions. And they, some are too far ahead for where I'm at and some are way far behind from where I should be. And the people would be like, oh, uh, really, you think so? I'm like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> you know, of course, because I'm a knucklehead. Uh, and, and that's okay, you know, but I think people just need to embrace that too. It's like, it's okay to not be smart in something. It's hard to trust people, obviously, especially when it's money. Right. Uh, you know, the, the news doesn't do a lot of reports on financial services, people that are just making people money and being super honest. They just wait till Bernie Madoff blows up a fucking economy. And they're like, look what happened. Right. <laughs> right? You're just like, yeah, for sure. That's not us. You know, it's like, right. it's like, it's like the post office in the eighties. You never heard about the postman delivering mail on time every day. You only heard about the postman shooting up the office when he or she was just, you know, at wit's end. And it's just, it's, right. you know, to me, it's a little unfair, obviously, because uh, I'm in the business. Uh, we actually work with wealth advisors like yourself. We, um, we exchange business uh, on, on mass affluent high net worth clients. So, you know, okay, so two to $20 million, you know, that they're okay. rolling. But it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a fun thing. And, and folks, if you know, like, this isn't part of the movie, it's not. But it is because of the fact that if you look at today, and you look at service-based businesses, right? And you look at, and I, this, I'm bringing this, trust me, this is coming to something. And you bring in this Yelp culture and this rating culture that we've all of a sudden just decided to chime in on that everyone's got an opinion and you, you can't, God bless, you can't let that opinion go. That would be horrible. So you got to run with it till the end. And if you can call the news as well, that's great. And I've, listen, I've been guilty of this. So I'm not throwing stones without saying, I, I'm not one of the first that had did it, done it. But I do wonder, whether it's cops or whether it's financial services or whether it's Amazon not delivering the package at 12 p.m. but it's at 12.05, how do you, even outside of your role, just in life, how do you manage expectations? Because it seems like, especially in the stressful environment of COVID-19, especially after snowbed here in Austin and, and bad weather and everything else, people's expectations are low or, or their patients are low, their expectations are super high and no one can deliver on those at all. I mean, you know, the, the God bless HEB is just like, Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to the gym earlier today. And it's like, 
what would happen if if everything was shut down for like a week like we would just lose our minds like we would, like nobody is yeah. prepared for that like no. if we were out without electricity for a week or like running water for a week it would be catastrophic and so um when it comes to managing expectations that's it's actually one of the first things that i talk to clients about yeah it's like hey you know really what we're shooting for when it comes to returns is 12 uh, 10 to 12 percent a year uh you know two to three percent over the benchmark because we are a little bit more aggressive we take uh, usually 20 to 30 positions within each of our portfolios that we have uh, we have three main core ones that we use um <clears throat> but when we have a really good year like last year when it came to the market like i had some accounts of over 100 percent wow you you have to readjust expectations because you know they sign on for the first time they see this great return and if i could do that you know if i could do 15 percent for the rest of my life oh. i go down in history you know like <laughs> i would be an amazing manager when it came to money and so, <clears throat> uh, so kind of so reestablishing like those expectations so so money management's like baseball I mean, like you get a hot streak, you hit some home runs, people are like, this mm -hmm. guy's going to hit a thousand. I mean, ESPN, right? First week of baseball, some cat comes up, knocks out 10, and they're like, if he keeps this pace, he's going to hit a thousand home runs this year. And people are like, oh, yeah, dude. right. You know, the Vegas odds makers mm -hmm. go after it. Someone puts a hundred bucks down at that person, you know, and then they come back to earth and they're not horrible. They're just back to being normal. And, and, right. and, but no one resets those expectations unless you're a true fan of baseball and you understand how numbers work. That's right. Baseball where you're just a fan, you just kind of own a shirt. Maybe you go to the game, spend 50 bucks on a hot dog and a beer and call it a day. You're dealing with, you pray for a home run. Yeah. You pray for a home run whenever you go to the ballpark. Exactly. And you never get it. I remember I was at a Dodgers game and this is so long ago. Mike Piazza was still playing for the Dodgers. Oh, man. There. my Piazza. Piazza comes up, he brings up the bat and this lady sits down and she's in front of us and we're drinking and having a good time. And she goes, and bases are loaded. She goes, hit a home run, Mike. And I, I look at my buddy, I'm like, grand slams happen all the time. I mean, that's what I cheer for. It's not like just, they need one run to win. Just cheer for one run, like just a, a single. That's all we got to do. She's like, no, I want a home run. And I was like, there you go. First pitch, crack, grand slam. She turns around and looks at me. She goes, see, all you have to do is ask. <laughs> I'm just like, lady. Yeah, if that's a secret, okay. man, if that is a secret, I, I just got to get clients to ask and I'll, I'll be great. You know, <laughs> speaking of baseball, I know this is kind of like off topic, no, but my, uh, so a friend's, I think it was her sister-in-law sang the national anthem at an Astros game. And so she had a, like a free ticket and I was like, Oh sweet. You know, like third deck we're chilling. And I'm not like a huge baseball guy, but mm -hmm. you know, I'll root for the Astros. We're still what 2017 world champs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> With a little, little bit of controversy, but it's fine. Borrowed. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so anyway, like I go and this pitcher is, you know, like nobody's ever heard of him. Not like a huge name. We had traded for him. And I, I honestly, like, I don't even remember his name, but you know, it gets to the seventh or eighth inning and there's a big zero by the H sign. And I was no. like, wait, 
wait, what? <laughs> they're like, what's it? Is anybody hitting that? And they're like, no, 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 stop, stop. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. And so, no, no. Yeah, yeah. And so he ends up hitting a, uh, pitching a no hitter. And I remember seeing my dad's friend uh, or my friend's dad, <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, <laughs> he's like, man, I can't tell you how many Astros games I've been to how many times I've just sat in that park and watched us lose, watched us win. And I love baseball more than anything. And I've never seen a no hitter. He's like getting emotional about it. I was like, yeah, man, I thought it was pretty cool. Like <laughs> it's just classic, <laughs> classic guy that like doesn't care about it, but like gets to see something incredible. And, you know, obviously I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life, even if sure. I don't remember that guy's name. No, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing what sports does. Uh, and you know, it just it's, the wins and the losses and I'll, I'll tie this into the movie here because, uh, and I think about this as I bring this up, but think about the, the, your, your favorite or most memorable sports fuck up that you've seen, you know, earlier b- before the, the rock and Samuel Jackson passed away in his beautiful movie, spoiler alert. Uh, you know, Will Ferrell made a mistake and got a little excited, shot his gun off in the precinct and they gave him a wooden gun. Like classic fuck up, right? He's like, you're so bad, you can't, you're a cop, but you really can't have a gun. We're still gonna put you out on the street, super dangerous, no gun. You know, and I, I think about um, Buckner through the legs or, you know, uh, I'm trying to think who was it? It was uh, the Titans, I forget who they were playing in the Super Bowl. And, you know, the guy dove two yards early and just just barely missed the end zone for, mm-hmm. for, a, for, a, for a touchdown, uh, you know, countless Dallas Cowboys players running to the end zone, <laughs> celebrating before they Ooh. get there, balls getting knocked out, right? Oh, man. It's, but those are the highs and lows. Those are the things that, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the big wins, but it's also the, the really big losses. And it's amazing that we can take those in sports, but you can't take them anywhere else. You're not going to a Thai restaurant, ordering some lavish meal and getting a hot dog, and then going back to that place again, saying, I'm going to try it again. However, yeah, right. <laughs> your favorite sports team, who is you? Are you a Cowboys fan? I'm, man, I'm not a Cowboys fan. Okay. What's not, your, not at all. Who's your team? Texans. Your team? Yeah, Texans? Texans. Well, even better. Which, yeah. So now the, the Texans, right? <laughs> Let's be honest. They, they haven't done the best job holding on to talent or respecting talent. In, in quite a while yep. we uh we'll trade our, our best guy away for uh an over the hill running back and i think it was a, a half-eaten bag of doritos mm-hmm. something like that it was a cool ranch though so it's, it's pretty nice oh yeah it's like a little <laughs> bit more flavor right a little more flavor so i mean but that's like, like but you're still gonna go back and watch the texans you're still gonna cheer for your team why what is it that allows them to continually screw up and you'll still cheer for him, but if you're if a restaurant did it, you would never go back. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I guess. We'll, we'll, are you are you asking me that now? Yeah, are you yeah, that's, yeah, no, yeah. Down? no, you can you can think about it. If you <clears> yeah, want. yeah, no, I think it's the the expectation, and I'm an Aggie, and so I always equate being an Aggie to being a Texans fan, except for okay. this last year when we <laughs> shouldn't made the playoffs. I'm not saying we're going to beat Alabama. But I think it would have been a little bit better than Notre Dame's score. That's all I'm saying. Um, I agree with you on that, 100%. <laughs> um, but I think it's always the expectation that things will get better. Um, 
Yeah, I guess you could throw that on the Thai food restaurant, but if it was that bad, then you you uh you wouldn't. Um, yeah, I think I think it all ties back down to expectations. Where yeah. you you're like, oh, okay, like I'm gonna look at this draft pick, and okay, I'm gonna do all my research, and I've got this guy in fantasy, and so like really got to root for the Texans this year, and then mm-hmm. um, kind of the same thing where you you want to go back and quite frankly, being a Texans fans, kind of like that Michael Scott quote where he's like, ready to get hurt again every single season. You're ready to get hurt again. <laughs> My buddy is a, is a diehard Texans fan. I mean, and I, he's, he's got a, a little bit of cheddar, got a couple, couple, couple shekels to, to rub together to the point where he's got the private mm-hmm. jet and he owns his own suite at the Texans stadium. <laughs> so you walk by. Poor and guy. Like, <laughs> it's, it's like Pachanga Casino. AT&T, Verizon, and then it gives his name. And, you know, I've, I've, been, I've been very blessed where he's invited me, even though he knows I'm not a Texans fan. Mm. He'll invite me sometimes and you get on, you know, the limo picks you up, you go down, you get on the private jet, fly into Houston, limo on the tarmac, picks you up, boom, takes you right to the stadium, drops you off, go up the double escalator, bam, in the suite. You can't even serve yourself a cocktail. Like they just have a gal there, her only right, yeah. She's like, hey, hey, do not touch the cocktails. I'll know when you're low. I'm going to pace you. You're going to have a great time. It's just, I mean, it's nuts. It's absolutely crazy. And I can, and I understand liking that part of it. And I enjoy going to the games, but you know, I mean, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm a San Francisco 49ers fan. I'm originally from Montana. So, I mean, my dad was a Cowboys fan and I could cheer for the Niners if I could remember the players' names. So, of course, Joe Montana was the quarterback. I'm like, I got that one. <laughs> Dwight Clark, not a problem. Right. I mean, we're just, but it was, it was fun because I just got to pick on my dad. And they were coming on the upswing and Cowboys were kind of a little bit on a downswing throughout the um, early, mid-80s. And then, you know, going into a little bit of the 90s there. Uh, and then it got tough and rough. But to your point, right, it's like, oh, but they could get better again. And there seems to be because there's so few teams, right? There's so many restaurants. There's so many options in life that when you get to a place where there's not that many options, it's not like you're stuck, but there's, there's this mental thing. There's this mental track that you put yourself on that goes, hmm, I'm still going to stick with them. Because then who do you like? Let's say randomly you really like the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, you can't say you like the Kansas City Chiefs now. You can't. Right. I had a buddy who uh, started liking the Chiefs about uh, two years ago. See, you can't do that. But you should like them because of Mahomes, right? That's right. Good old Texas native. Yeah, he's a good old Texas native. And Texas pumps out some some stellar athletes. Oh, yeah. I mean, really stellar. It's, it's, it's fascinating to me. And, and this brings me up to my next thing is when we think about this, you know, it, it goes back and, and this all kind of comes full circle into, into, I think, where we align and where we set things. But it's interesting that um, we will see the greatness of an athlete or the giving of an athlete. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I, I applaud them for all the work they're doing. I'm not trying to throw shade on that at all. But it's very funny to me that you will see that, but we're not going to show that necessarily broad spectrum with uh, the police, we'll wait for them to screw up. And we'll highlight that part. We're not gonna highlight, you know, you kinda gotta search for all the other good things, right? And it's not like anyone's writing on Yelp, giving 
you know, the Austin Police Department a five-star review for giving them a really nice traffic ticket. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Not happen. But it is interesting where, and I ask you this, you know, what do you think society-wise, why we put our alignment? I mean, we don't put our alignments on celebrating the people that educate us and protect us. We put them on the people that actually do none of that for us. They cost us more money, right? They, and it's like they're bad people. I mean, they're just doing a job. They're just really good at it. They're right, yeah. Athletes. Um, many of them are, are obviously extremely smart and do an amazing job with all, the, with all the things that they do. But still, it's fascinating to me. And I don't have an answer for it. I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know if, if you have a thought why outside I'll, I'm going to give, I'm not putting firemen in this group because I just fed some firemen for free on 1705 South Congress. And as we were, as they came out to get some food from us, thanking them for their hard work during snow, but I saw about a hundred women in booty shorts and tube tops jogging by back and forth, just <laughs> stretching. You know, they're like, hey, so I don't, fireman, yeah. sorry. You're Nobody out, ever fireman. has a problem with firemen. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. No, there's not a song called Fuck the Firemen, right? It's called Fuck the Police. <laughs> okay. <It's> just... <laughs> it's because Housewives would have been singing that song. All right. Then it's Housewives, just yeah, get them right. out. Single girls, are, fuck the firemen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did that on Tuesday. You'd be like, well, good for you, girl. But it is, it is fascinating to me. I wonder if you have a thought on the different standards or why, why in some capacity we keep creating heroes when they're, I mean, it's not that they're not heroes, but it seems like our hero attributions go in the wrong spots. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think when it comes to athletes and why we you know glorify them and kind of put them mm-hmm. on a pedestal, there's a lot of group think behind it where I can relate to you because you're, you know, you like the 49ers. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to go talk to you about like Jimmy G. Oh yeah. Right. Handsome devil. Handsome devil. Pretty decent quarterback. Mm -hmm. Can't lie, man. Pretty good. Whenever he's healthy. Um, And so we can sit down, we can talk about Jimmy G 49ers football for, you know, 20, 30 minutes if we wanted to. Um, And when it comes to, I guess, police and, uh, I guess, teachers, uh, yeah, there, there definitely are hero aspects to them, but I think when it comes to like camaraderie around them, like you had a different teacher than I did. You probably have had different encounters with police than I, than I have. Um, and, and sometimes like it can be funny. Like I have a guy, uh, one of my best friends, he said over 40 tickets. So every time he, <laughs> Whoa. it's always a joke when he gets pulled over man uh he'll like post on his instagram like snapchat story it's like <laughs> officer rolled down the window and said well looks like you've done this before <laughs> he says, you know the drill <laughs> you know the drill windows already down hands are out he's like oh there we are oh, yeah yeah he's a uh, but yeah it is uh i guess the hero aspects uh, i've never really thought of it um and, and absolutely like police officers and teachers are heroes um but it, but it is interesting how we we elevate athletes and and um you know sports stars to yeah, a I mean, higher place in society than they are i mean i think there's some rare exceptions where there are people that probably should be vaulted uh 
that were athletes, but were also more, you know, Tillman, who was a Cardinal, mm-hmm. right? I mean, right. Tim Kennedy. And, and hey, Tim, thanks for being on the podcast. That was great. I appreciate it, buddy. I call him buddy. He, he was, was on your podcast? Yeah. Dude, one of my first. Oh, that's awesome. I was horrible. I was terrified. Brother, let me tell you, I'm not kidding. Man, he is. I saw him working out at Lifetime one time, and uh, he's just, I'm like, it was a Saturday morning and I never work out on Saturday mornings. And I was just like dying through this workout. And he's over there, like, you know, however old he is, he's like doing all this crazy stuff. And he like looked at me, he's like, what's up, bro? I was like, just getting after it. <laughs> nah, I remember like, you know, like posting on like one of my stories and my friend was like, no way, like freaking out. And um, that, that dude is crazy. That dude is legitimately like, crazy <laughs> we went to my buddy's private studio he sat across the table from me we did spies like us and i'm looking at a man that can rip my pinky off and then kill me with it not oh yeah with his pinky he's not going to sully his pinky with my yeah right <laughs> and he comes in sits down like do you want a beer do you want this do you want that i got coconut water i got regular water i got topo chico he's like jesus dude guys i'll just take a water I'm like, all right, perfect. We'll yeah. All these flavors of water. He's like, just all water. I'm like, all right, that's fine. Yeah, right. Super nervous. And then I'm talking to him. We're doing spies like us. And he's telling me all these crazy stories about training, you know, about the, some of the stuff he went through. He couldn't even tell me all the stuff he went through, just right. some of it. And I mean, I'm just, I get done. I wore, I wore a brand new black, black t-shirt. We get done. I asked him for one favor. I said, sir, first of all, doing this is favor enough. And I apologize. I'm asking for anything else, but can we do one thing really quick? And I think he thought we were going to do a selfie. So he put his arm around me and I was, I mean, I had sweated through a shirt and I had a shirt on underneath <laughs> it because I was just so nervous. I mean, dude, this guy, he oh, yeah. energy and a, well, you saw him work. I mean, he is that intensity and that energy and he's super nice. He's the most gentle, nice human being in the world. Who can oh, for sure. Murder you with your eyes. <clears throat> yeah. And I put my phone up and I hit a button and he smiles and it's a FaceTime and we call my buddy, Father John. And he's a super Tim Kennedy fan. And John's like, hey, you big sexy, what the fuck? Is that Tim Kennedy? And he goes, hi, John. That's what I was told to say. I got to go. And then he hung up the phone. And my buddy John was like, nope, I'm out. Yeah, man. I don't get like, you know, most of the time when I met somebody big, it's like, okay, like, mm-hmm. this is really cool. Like, yep. But like I play drums and I met my favorite drummer on like a street corner after one of Neil Pert. their, uh, no, not, not Neil Pert, <laughs> RIP. He's a uh, man. The very good. Ever. Yeah. Right. Um, but I, I don't know if you've heard is he, is David he, Goggin. Is he, is, he, is he your best drummer, by the way, real quick. And then tell me who you met, but is he, is he your number one drummer? Neil? Oh uh, no. My number one drummer is a guy named Mike Kennedy. Okay. Who, no relation to Tim, but he mm-hmm. plays for a, a band called the Wonder Years. Yep. Okay. You know, pop punk band from uh, philadelphia uh, yeah and it's been <clears throat> as i've matured as a musician mm-hmm. uh, over the years like i play in a band in austin and um, you know do a few worship gigs every now and then um okay. but as i've like grown there you know you're able to reflect on albums that you've grown up with and it's like oh like i can see the progression of him as a musician too and how you know he's less philly or you know he's doing less within songs it just fits the song so much more. And that's really the, the art of a true mature musician rather than, you know, somebody young who's just trying to hit as many notes as they can during the, the song. Sure. 
but uh, yeah. I, I said all this to to say like I you know I don't I don't get super you know I, I was really happy to meet Mike and you know pretty giddy um and I wasn't really ner- I haven't been really nervous to meet other people but um my senior year David Goggins came and spoke at um Dude, he spoke did they yeah. give him so a, did someone he, have a beat button for him dude no, no. So he, he, it was super funny uh, because of a staff like character building thing. And there's like, dude, maybe 20 people there. Cause it was about a year before he went on Rogan. Oh, and okay. I, Still, know, he, I was, he'd done the book though. He had done the book with the, it's like, thanks, right? The book was How, after. The book was after the, Rogan? The book was after. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The can't touch me one. Or, no, the uh, the living with a seal. Yeah, living with a seal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was before. Yes, that right? was. Yeah, so that that had already been out, but I guess that book wasn't as popular. Like I don't know, people that there weren't that many people there, but me and my buddy went, and so we're like, I went up and talked to him before. I was like, Hey, 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 hey Mr. Goggins, um, I, <laughs> I, 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 I listened to your pod. I heard you on a podcast, and I liked you a, a whole lot. He's like. I appreciate that, man. Thanks. And then I just like shook his hand and I was like, I, you know, like, like you walk away. I was like looking at my hands, like, what, what is this hand done? Like, <laughs> and then we like, we go up and, and talk to him after. And, you know, he just kind of like put his filter down and he was telling us, like, yeah, man, you know, like starting up this, you know, speaking gig thing. And I got to really kind of take it back. Cause I mean, y'all have heard me on the other podcasts. This, I don't really talk like this. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was kind of cool. He, cause nobody knew who he was. It was like only me and my buddy that really mm-hmm. like knew who this guy was. Cause he tells a story and all these people are just like, Oh, cool. He's, you know, he's gone through all this training. He's done all this stuff. And me and my buddy were like super about it. And uh, it, it was, it was probably one of the coolest moments in my life where you know, he just kind of put the filter down and just like talk to us like we're men. And we're these twenty-one-year-old dudes just just hanging out at a And So it was uh, it was awesome. He's very genuine, very um, very kind, um, but hard dude, no doubt. He's a surreal human being. I um, I had someone had texted me to go, "Did you see this Goggins clip?" And I was like, "No." And they're like, "Here." I was like, "All right, thanks." And my daughter's hanging out with me, and I wasn't even thinking about it. And it was one, I don't know if you've ever seen it, where uh, he's looking at his shoes and he ha- he's going to go running. He doesn't want to run because he's tired. Mm. He's like, fuck you, feet. Fuck you. And he's just getting angry and he's just screaming at his feet and his shoes. He's just dropping F-bombs right and left. And my daughter walks in the car. And she's like, hey, dad. It's like, fuck you. And I'm like, hey, hold on a second there, honey. Let me just pause this bit. Where's the pause button? Spring will come up. Yeah, right. <laughs> But it's just, I mean, he's one of those weird guys, right? And I've, I, there a long past dream has passed, you know, um, where going from a life of being a pastoral ministries major uh, and then years of supporting and helping churches and working in the back ends and marrying and bearing people in all 50 states and having fun. And there was a part of me that was like, man, maybe there's one day where I could get away with having the horrible mouth that I have at the same time still like 
preach, not preach, preach, but, you know, give good advice and just inspire and motivate people. Oh, yeah. And I was like, man, I don't know if I can do that. And then you see David go and you're like, oh, he can do it. But guess what? Yeah. He's also done it. I mean, I think there's the other aspect, yeah. right? Where were you 300 pounds and then became a Navy SEAL? Oh, you weren't? Watch your mouth, son. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, have you, you have the Guinness Book of World <clears throat> Records on pull-ups? Oh, you don't? You watch your mouth. Did you piss? Yeah, right. Black snot because you were so dehydrated running 200 miles? Nope. Once again, got to watch your mouth. He's done all those yeah, things right. on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. You know? He just, he gets a pass and he should get a pass in my humble opinion. Right. I mean, he just, yeah. I don't know it's, why you would take that away from him. Right. And it's one of those things, man, it's like, how do you listen to that and, and not get fired up? Like, how do you not get motivated to go do something else or, mm-hmm. or be a better version of yourself? Um, I'm not going to say like I'm a huge Joe Rogan fanboy because my pride wouldn't like allow me to do that. Um, but one of the things Joe talks about is like, you know, you, you don't want to be the person you were six months ago. You always want yeah. to be evolving and, and pushing and, and expanding, you know, whatever your horizons are. And so you're hearing stuff like David Goggins and, and these guys, like you said, like they, they walk the walk and they talk the talk. You know, there's, there's no like hypocrisy within his message because he's done it all. He, he doesn't need to do anything else. He can still preach that message, but he still chooses to go out each and every day and he trains and he pushes his body because he's trying to get out of his comfort zone. So his comfort zone is a lot bigger than mine. And so uh, I, I do really like doing, you know, physically demanding things. And uh, I ran a marathon on like five days notice back in 2018. And Bert Kreischer, that right there. That <laughs> uh, <laughs> was impressive winning that. <laughs> and, and, and like, that was brutal. That's probably the, the hardest thing that I've done. You know, and I like to go hike without like, you know, prepping in, you know, the right way or whatever. And, and on a whole nother level. And, and I have friends that, um, you know, on, on a whole, like whole different level than I am. And so um, I, I think any time you get out of the zone and push those boundaries, whether it be physically, mentally, or you know, emotionally, um, yeah, absolutely take advantage and do it. I, I agree. I think, I think it's, um, the hardest challenge I have is, is balancing the push on all. I get hyper addicted on, on certain things. And so I'll push the boundaries and the balance in those aspects. So I will get excited about work stuff and, and really pushing the boundaries on, on, on customer experience and on business to business experience and talking with our CEO and just going after things like we, you know, and then I'm hyper focused on it. But then I see like my workouts will suffer a little bit. But if I'm bored at work and I'm hammering stuff out, there's no new challenges, then I'm riding my bike 15 miles. Or I'm going right. you know, for a little three mile run and then doing a you know a 20 minute kettlebell workout, just calling mm-hmm. it. And you know, it's probably because I'm getting closer to 50, you know, it just I just I'm, I'm getting old. Uh, but I still like I find myself sitting down sometimes the other day going, hmm. Ah oh, man, well, not 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I would have done the workout, the work, the other workout, and then went out and got mm-hmm. dinner with people and still had energy. Yeah. You know, and, and I bring that up because uh, folks, you're hearing us talk about one, some exceptional men who, who, have, uh, who have really attacked the world in, in a unique way and inspire people to attack the world. And I think to your point, which is great, beautifully said is 
pick the thing you want to grow in. You know, just make sure you're doing something daily or three months, six months. You can look back and go, I'm just better here. I'm better right. at this than I was then. I just am, you know. Uh, obviously, I think this, you know, this podcast has evolved after, you know, three years of, of messing around and having fun. Uh, kicking it off with Jason Dick helped me out immensely. I mean, you know, you got to sit down with a person who's been on a hot mic damn near their whole li adult life. And mm -hmm. I get to hang out with them and I get to do fake reads and see if I can make him think it's a real one and have him look over and be like, dude, is that, oh, you're fine. Oh, okay. Never mind. Thanks. Thanks for messing with me. I'm like, Ooh, I got the dick man. Yes. Like that. I got a professional. Hey, there we I, I go. Professional. You know, it's just, it's, it's those <clears> things <throat> where you, you got to push, you got to, you got to push and do better, you know? And um, I agree with you hundred percent. I think, I think it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful challenge to have. I'd like to, you know, my goal is to try to make myself do it in two areas and, you know, in 2021, 2020, I just got lazy. I went after one thing and that's okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, uh, yeah. and I got better. I, one and I think the, the realization, like owning that and like realizing that is, is a big step too. So a lot of people would just say like, Oh, you know, like it was lazy and like, it was just a part of life. And now I'm just, I'm just here, but saying like, Hey, like, you know, I had some goals and I didn't necessarily reach them, mm -hmm. but now I'm going to recalibrate and, and tackle them again. I think that's probably the biggest step that you can take. And uh, I'm going to sound like a straight up like Rogan fan, <laughs> uh, but uh, I loved Jocko before Jocko was like, you know, I knew about David Goggins before he was David Goggins, like the big David Goggins. And then I knew about Jocko before he was like the Jocko. Um, and so one of the things that he, he was on Tim Ferriss's podcast and they really talk, um, it's probably one of my favorite podcasts. I probably listen to it once every six months. This is just some really, really good life stuff where um, Tim Ferriss is talking about uh, committing suicide. And it's like, maybe a section, a really small section in one of Tim Ferriss's books. Uh, but Jocko's like interviewing him and talking about, you know, that process and what it looks like. And one of the things Jocko recommends and really pushes for is compartmentalizing your life. So like, like you were saying, where you're going to get hyper addictive, you know, spreading that out over, you know, three or four things. <clears throat> so at the end of the day, like, man, I had an awful day at work, but I'm at the gym, like deadlifting 400 pounds or I'm doing heavy power cleans or, you know, snatches or whatever, you're, you're not going to be worried about whatever happened at work. Whenever you're thinking of something really cold, lifting or like, you know, like not doing something bad, same thing with like relationships or, you know, like reading a book or you know, whatever it is, compartmentalizing your life and attacking those things separately. Um, I think has really helped me personally in, in growth because like I was saying, you know, have a bad day at work, like the market's down, um, you know, but I go to the gym and, and crush a workout. It's like, you know what? You know, the day, like it's still an okay day. Yeah. No matter what happens. I, I always have, I always have a list of things I'm going to do. Right. I know I'm going to get up at five, go out. I'm going to, you know, and I, I do this in honor of my 94 year old grandmother. I like to say, I play a couple hands of solitaire, wake the brain up, you know, just, Got to win a couple. Got to win a couple, and then I'm good. Just got to win a couple hands of solitaire. Look over my schedule. What I'm gonna, you know, what I planned out the night before. Get my emails out. Respond to anything that came in late last night from somewhere on planet Earth that you know wasn't California or New York. And 
And then I, I create this little list of things. I'm like, I'm gonna, you know, usually a mental list, but I used to write it down. I'm like, I'm gonna sweep. Uh, I'm gonna go clean the pool filter. Uh, I'm gonna go check out on all the stuff outside for the weekend. Like, what am I gonna do? You know, rake leaves. You know, what am I gonna get prepared for? And I put silly stuff down. They're like, hey, are you gonna, you know, like today? I'm like, hey, you gonna make hot sauces tomorrow? Do an avocado serrano mousse. Woo! You know, just slide it on with some eggs, bananas. Yeah, right. But you, but see, I, bet, you know, I love to cook. So one of my challenges is like, can you in your busy day create two or three different hot sauces? Create the recipe, do it, yeah, and get your calls done, and do these other things, and launch these new products. Yeah, well, you can. I mean, anyone can. Do you want to? Do you want the extra stress? Do right. you want to burn at a little hotter level? And then, oh, you know what? And in between, I'll do like a twenty-minute kettlebell workout in the living room while I'm doing stuff. Right. And I, but I, but those little check marks, just those little things, keep me sane. Because yeah, I can look back sure. on the day and go, okay, well, I did this. I did this. Did it cure cancer or, you know, change the lives of a million people? No. But is my mental health better that I just took some creative time in the kitchen that I, you know, took that 30 and people are like, you only have a 35 pound kettlebell. I'm like, so listen, man, that's all you need. <laughs> oh that's my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you do like, you start busting out some reps with that bad boy and you do them the right way. And you really work on, you know, part where you're bringing it down you know um i know on it's super big on eccentric stuff where it's yeah. super slow on the way down and my buddy went there he's you know deadlifts probably 550 squats over 400 you know just a, just a rail hoss kind of dude and they're giving him 10 pounds and they're like do it like, right 10 pounds yeah he's he's like he's like dude i've, I've never been more sore in my life like <laughs> it's so bad but yeah, to your point, like make anything work. And um, something for me that I'm going to cite, I recently have gotten a dog at the beginning of January. Nice. What kind he of dog? He's two years old, kind of an adolescent kind of, so he's a Dutch shepherd mm. and then kind of has like some pit bull and a little bit of other stuff. So really pretty brindled coat, but uh, yeah, he's definitely, he's definitely in those teenage years where he's, you know, kind of, kind of giving it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so you know, for the most part, he's great, but really wrecking my time and figuring out like, okay, like I get done working out at five or six 30. I'm going to walk Draco from like six 30 to seven 30 and realizing like an hour is a lot of time back in the day, I guess two months ago before I had a dog, it was like, okay, well I have to do this podcast. And so I know we're going to meet at seven 30, but I'm going to get back from the gym at like five 30. So I kind of like, somehow I got to eat and I got to shower and like do all these things. And now I'm like, okay, cool. Like I have an hour to spend time with my dog, which is something that I need to do as a good dog owner. And and you, you learn to really adjust your schedule. And I'm sure you said you have kids like, yeah, I got a kid and a dog. I mean, the whole thing changes, man. Like you're not sleeping. You're, uh, you're doing all, you're juggling like five different hats at one time and you're trying to make everybody happy. And I'm sure really learning how to value your time and, and put it in the right places becomes even more important as you get older and, and take on more responsibilities and especially with a, a child. Yeah. I mean, I look at, you know, I said, I've said this uh, quite a few times, the podcast and actually uh, I think I got this from a Rogan guest, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, I often ask my kid, you know, I'll tell her, I'm like, how am I doing? 
this is one of the few relationships in her life she didn't get to choose. She was stuck with me. And I'm a crazy person. I'm not an easy person to be around. I had a FaceTime with my buddy, yeah. um, Elijah. He was doing a, uh, our buddy Omar is doing this video series on minorities in Austin and really doing an amazing video setup. And so he you know, reached out to me and I said, let me hook you up with Elijah. Elijah is the CEO of a robotic company. You know, he founded the experience firm. He sits on like three different boards. I mean, he's, a, he's an accomplished man. He's a great yeah. father. He's an amazing husband. Uh, he's, he'll be a good person for your interview. So they had gotten done. They had texted me. They were together, shot me a little picture. And then I write back, who this, new phone. And they FaceTime me. So I'm chatting with them. And, you know, Omar's this young kid. And I've known Elijah shit for like 12 years now. He's like, dude, you know, how are things? He's like, oh, you know, they're a little crazy. He goes, oh, just, you just got to call me, you know, we'll just, we'll talk it out. And I go, Omar, listen, I love you, brother. I think you're great. I'm a hard person to be around. And I know this because I'm just, I'm crazy. Like I just, I, I, yeah. I get caught on something and I run after it and I, and I run after it till my feet are bleeding because I just want it. Right. And, and Elijah's like, he goes, and I'm always like, yeah, yeah. And Elijah goes, no, no, no. You don't understand. Like Jake and he just. He has a vision for something and he wants to go after it and he will, and he'll push it. And the problem is, and Elijah knows, we, we do business together. I'm also a partner at the experience firm. He goes, he pushes mm -hmm. because he knows. The problem is, is that when I push and I know I also have an F word in there. I'm also six to 220 pounds and I'm standing up and I'm like, Hey, and they're like, why are you yelling? And I'm like, I'm not yelling. I'm just excited. And they're like, you're scaring yeah, right. us. And I'm like, nah, okay, I'm out of here. And you know, <laughs> poor yeah, old right? sweet kid. He's just like, oh, come on, bro. I'm like, I go, hey man, I still at my age, and I bring it up because I think everyone should know this, right? Like, I still struggle with that balance of, of, of emotion and excitement and drive and going after things, which is why I listen to a Rogan a lot, which is why I listen to a Goggles, which is why I listen to a Jocko. Mm -hmm. They have way more drive, way more passion, way more explosiveness in their DNA than I do. Right. And yet they've still, it seems like from the outside looking in, have created balance, right? They've created that understanding what relationships are forced, father-daughter, what relationships are created, right? And what the balance and the differences in between and then how to exercise those relationships appropriately. And then where does professionalism come in and where, where, does, it, where does it exit and, and become a, a, a personal matter? Uh, yeah, so it's, you know, it's, life's weird man and when you get kids or you add those things in all i say to people is whether it's a new friend a girlfriend a wife a hard with a dog but still a dog you got to take a moment you got to take a step back and go oh wait whether you chose this relationship girlfriend you know co-worker whatever it may be or didn't kid dog how are you doing like i i feel bad like my neighbors must think i'm fucking crazy they must think i mean they must think i'm nuts I love my dog to death. He's also a yeah. moron. I rescued an inbred basset hound from back uh, from 2014 when the floods happened in Bastrop and a lady's farm mm -hmm. flooded. Oh, she was wow. Breed basset hounds. She couldn't. So what'd she do? She was like, got on Craigslist. She's like, someone take these dogs, please. Like my yeah. barn fell down. I don't have, like, I've got goats living in my house and chickens. So I drove up there. You know, got a dog, came back, and he's an absolute moron. So there are days I let him outside, and he goes out and takes a whiz and comes right back in. And there are days I let him outside, and it's snowing, and he's standing in the snow, and he decides, 
I don't want to move because I don't like the feeling of snow. Yeah. Eight inches of snow at my house. And I'm like, hey, I'm yelling. Get over here. And he's looking at me he's like, mm, I don't think so. Yeah, right. So now my poor neighbors are hearing me yell, you know, and I feel embarrassed later on. Not at the moment. Never at the moment. I always love it. It's never at the moment am I embarrassed. But I'm like yelling. I'm like, hey, fuck yeah. nuts. Get over here. Like, come on. I'm tired of this. If I have to come pick you up, there's going to be a big problem. You know, and now he realizes I'm oh, yeah. upset. And so now he's cowering. And now I'm trying to pick him up. And we're both in the snow. And then he's still in the almost a 90-pound dog. Oh. You know, and I'm just, and he's long and he's uncomfortable. And oh, yeah. Basset, like, yeah, there's just like skin flopping everywhere, too. Oh, wow, it's just a, yeah. And so anyone who just heard that interaction be like, dude, this guy hates dogs. Like, he's a horrible human being. He just called his dog the F word. And he's picking his yeah. dog up out of the snow, though, at the same time in shorts and flip flops. So, does he hate it? Does he love it? What is it? And then the next day I'll be out there and he'll be howling. And at someone, heaven forbid, they walk near our home. You know, he howls, freaks out. And I'm like, come on, buddy. Let's get in and get a treat. And then it's like, you know, I'd be like, who's the bipolar guy with the dog? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, it's, it, I bring all that up to be like, hey, folks, you got you to gotta find balance and you're not going to find it today or tomorrow you got to work on it you're obviously you're working on it you're setting those goals micro macro and 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 listening to the people that have that have previously before you set those goals and you know you, you don't you want it to be a um a growth piece now the hard left turn which is this podcast is full of mark Wahlberg a couple minutes ago was at a dance school stepped in and just all of a sudden just was a ballet dancer. Michael, what's your ballet dancer moment? What's the thing that no one really knows about from you that you do that people don't know? Oh man, <clears throat> what is something that I do that people do not know? Mm -hmm. Oh man. Because there's gonna be a follow-up to this here. I'll, I'm gonna, I'll ask you these two questions and I'll answer one and then I'll, I'll volley it over to you. The other one is, is that you know the, the building just exploded and Will Ferrell goes, this is not like the movies. My ears are ringing. This is super loud. Mm -hmm. So the other question obviously is, hey, what's the thing you've experienced in life that you're like, oh, the reality of this is way harsher than I thought it would be. So for, for me real quick, for the moment, oh, yeah. the, the ballet moment, right? There's a couple of things that I do that people don't know. One, pastoral ministries major. There's uh, two or three. One, pastoral ministries major. People will hear me talk and then they'll be like, wait, you went to Bible college? Wait, you got ordained? in the assemblies of God. And I'm like, well, you know, they didn't know at the time. And then they kicked me out. So we're all good. Uh, I'm an avid, avid, avid's probably a weird word. Uh, OCD, probably better. I uh, get flash, a little flashlight and tweezers. I pull out all my nose hairs. I don't have any. I get up in there. My wife, she's like, I remember one time my wife saw me doing it. She goes, hey, what, is, what are you doing? I, go, I pull my nose hairs out. She's like, what? Doesn't that hurt? And I'm like, no, it doesn't hurt at all. She goes, it doesn't? And I said, no. Do you want to try? And she's like, sure. I put a flashlight in her nose. She's never touched her nose hairs before. I see a big, thick nose hair in the back. I put the tweezers in there, grab onto it. I hear it pop out. Brother, let me tell you, not a happy woman. Oh, I bet. <laughs> she was holding her nose and screaming and jumping up and down. And then, uh, yeah, she... Uh, she got pretty upset with me. 
saying it didn't hurt. Uh, which, but by the way, for me, it doesn't. Like, I just, it doesn't bother me. And then, oh yeah, I'm sure you're used to it by now. I'm used to it by now. And then um, I, I'll, I'll, you know, in, in a bet, people tell me, go tell me something that we wouldn't know, but you could also Google and find out. And I go, oh, my death threats made the front page of the New York Times, which they did. Your death threats? Ooh. Yep. My hey, buddy, tell me about this. Uh, my buddy and I, uh, we were messing around, and uh, he created a tech. He was the, he was the creator of this technology call uh, where. And this is back in the day, I had a sidekick. So this is how long ago this was. I mean, I had a sidekick. It Man. didn't even fit in your back pocket. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Did you have, you have the holster? Did you have the holster? Just I just carried it around it out whenever? like a brick of gold. Oh, man. <laughs> flip that screen around and be like, what a bitch. I'm going to type something. Yeah, uh, you got it. I could sit in a bar. I would sit in a bar and I would look at someone and go, hey, I'm going to call from my cell phone to yours. What phone number do you want to show up? They're like, what? I'm like, what phone number? Anything on your caller ID. I can own your caller ID. And we were the first to create mobile to mobile caller ID manipulation where I could call from my cell phone oh, wow. to yours and have your mom's phone number show up. I could have Visa's phone number show up. Yeah. Beautiful for identity theft. Also, yeah. great for, also great for bill collectors. And if you'll notice now, like, I mean, bill collectors get in trouble now because they just, they buy old uh, burner phone numbers, right? For local areas. So if they're collecting bills in Orange County, they're going to use a 949 or 714 phone number, not a New York phone number or not a Boston phone number. So it was, it was really good for them as well. And then, you know, we had some other uh, things that we wanted to do with it, uh, mainly for, um, apprehending or listening in or messing around with uh, recent uh, criminals who are, you know, back and active because they'd get a burner phone and they would start texting people. Well, we could intercept that text. Mm. And then law enforcement could text back and move the meet, move the location meet from point A to point B and then own that channel of communication and then get the money and the drugs. Wow. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. But when you first come hot out of the gate and you're on CNBC and you go, hey, look at this. I can manipulate caller ID. People don't find that funny. And they get yeah. very upset. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, they got a little upset. They got a little angry. But um, yeah, those are, um, those are a couple. So what is, uh, what's your ballet moment? And then what is your, oh shit, reality is way more harsh. Yeah. Yes. So my ballet moment, I guess it's not like a, this is something only a few people would know about me, but and it's not really an action, but every night when I go to bed, mm-hmm. I have three pillows. There's one for my head, obviously. Mm-hmm. There's one that my dog has taken over and he sleeps on that every night. Then I have one that, uh, Quite frankly, I just cuddle up with every single night and I just, you know, hold it tight, fall asleep like a baby. And, just Wilson and Phillips, it hold guess, on for one more day. That's right. That's right. And so uh, that's my ballet moment. Do and you, then do you, when, you're, when you're dating someone, do you look and go, maybe, maybe one day you yeah. can be this pillow, but not today? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <clears throat> that's right. We'll be like, 
my girlfriend and I will be like cuddled up or like watching a movie or something and in our media room. And, you know, there's been a few times when I thought, like, man, this is body just doesn't form as well as the pillow does, you know, to my right. body. <laughs> so I'm sorry. It's gotta, gotta have a pillow. If I'm actually trying to take a nap. <laughs> Your poor girl. She's like, I love him so much, but he just, <clears> and then the, <laughs> yeah. Right. And then the, Oh shit moment mm-hmm. would be probably whenever I first started, um, you know, being a financial advisor mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh, like, uh, I, I used to work for a larger firm and I took over a book of business. And so I was like, Oh, sweet. Like I'm managing the, these assets. And like, of course people are going to work with me. And, um, the company that I worked for, they encouraged going like door to door and like talking to people. And they're like, Hey, like, you know, just like knock on the door and, and basically ask them to, to work with you. And here's some sales tricks that you're going to use. And it just felt like kind of slimy to me, Yeah, uh, you know, to be a little, you know, be a little honest and so i was like ah, no man i'll just like go out and i'll knock on like two thousand doors a day and i will be one of the best advisors in this company and uh the reality was i moved out here in april so it's getting hot and i had to like come up with all these phone numbers and like all this other stuff and <clears throat> jason i was just not good at knocking on doors and being it, that system did not work for me. Not I like did you, not enjoy you, that. <laughs> yeah. Advantage. Right. I mean, no offense. And so. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No. So, yeah, that, that was a, you know, every now and then I get a referral or like, you know, people would bring in money and stuff like that. But I, I can honestly say like, I have, I never brought in any single, like a single dollar from knocking on a door. Uh, but people at my former company, man, they were really proud of, you know, how they're able to, you know, knock on doors and get a lot of money and stuff like that. But for me, that was the, oh man, like this is, this is not, this is not for me. And so, um, you know, the place that I'm at now, Iron Oak Wealth, I met my boss at like a networking event Mm -hmm. uh, and then interviewed for about six months because he was, he wanted to like really kind of vet me uh, before, you know, actually hiring me on. So yeah, that was my, I was like, oh, oh man. Because <laughs> you have to think like it starts getting hot in April and some days are pretty miserable, but then they want you to like keep on knocking in like June and July. And at that point, like, you know, it's, it's an older firm. And so they want you to wear a suit. They kind of equated it. Like, you know, if, if you're a doctor, you're going to wear your white coat. If you're in a, you're always going to be wearing a suit. Okay. And now that I'm out of that business model and, and like kind of look back on it, my clients don't care at all what I wear. Like I could probably, I could wear this to a meeting and they would be fine with it. Obviously like I'm going to dress a little bit more professional, mm-hmm. but as long as, you know, their accounts are doing well and they, they're trusting what I'm doing, you know, and they're happy. They, don't care what I wear at all. And so it's just one of those things like, you know, larger firm, they have to protect their rear end when it comes to, to things. And so they're like, all right, well, if everybody's dressing like this and everything's fine, but yeah, that was the moment I was like, man, this is, I gotta find something else. Yeah, I would find something else. It, it's funny. Uh, 
so my boss, I mean, he is, and he tells me this, it's not, it's nothing bad. He's bougie. And he's, he's rolling into the office, you know, in his Tom Ford sunglasses and his stretch Bentley. And, you know, he's, you know, he's down in Orange County. He's got an office right off the 405. It's gorgeous, top floor. It's, it's, it's fat. I mean, guy knows what he's doing. He's legit. So I first yeah. meet him and I mean, I'm in a dirty Bills t-shirt and jeans and chucks. I've got hair to my shoulders. I've got a long beard. And I'm like, what's up? Yes. Right? I'm just like, ah, you're crazy. You're just like, uh, you're Will Smith and uh, what's it called? Oh, what's that movie? Is it Seven Pounds? Oh, yeah. Seven no, pounds. no, no. The Pursuit of Happiness. Pursuit of Happiness, yep. So I, <laughs> Where he walks in. <laughs> He's been in jail all night. He's got yep. like paint all over him. And they're like, what would I tell you if somebody walked in here in a, you know, a tank top shirt? covered in paint and uh looked like he'd spent all night in jail and i think his response was like well i had some damn good jeans on (laughs) (laughs) it's so true so i mean i i roll in i see john and i he he was investing in another company and he had reached out to me about that company he said oh by the way i'm going to do this other company but you know we're not ready but i might i might i might pick your brain is that okay i go to call me anytime anytime well, the other company didn't pan out as well. And his company uh, took off like a rocket ship. And it's mm-hmm. just, I mean, even during COVID, like during COVID in a lending situation, PCMA had zero loss, zero loss to clients losing money, zero loss to investors. Losing wow. Zero loss. <laughs> I was just that's like, awesome. I mean, that's prepared though, right? I mean, that's just being smart and prepared and it's just being a bougie, right, right. suit rolling up in a Bentley guy. And so I, you know, I, I'm coming in the office. I've got a leather jacket on. I've got a black t-shirt that says dirty, ripped jeans, chucks. I'm sitting down, I'm hammering on the computer. I'm like, hey, I've got to call at the Wall Street Journal in 30 minutes. Let's go. You know, and he's like, calm down. Is it in our office? I'm like, oh, I'm used to working at home. Sorry. You know, hey, you want to grab a beer at lunch? I'm like, no one drinks at lunch. I'm like, well, this is weird. I'll save that for when I'm back home again. <laughs> and so this last time I go out and I see him, I go out there once a month, slacks, fresh, fresh press, white button down shirt, hair's high and tight out of sight, beard's all trimmed up and nice. I've, you know, brushed it down with the oil. So it's kind of hiding a little bit of the gray. Oh and man. I'm coming in looking sharp. He picks me up at the airport. This is also the other thing that I love about this guy. I mean, this guy, is, he's got the beautiful home. He's got the exotic cars. He's running a company, a very successful company. And when I fly into town, he leaves his office and goes and picks me up at the airport. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it just, it goes a long way, right? That's just that, that, that but that's the, the private right. client quality that you want from right. someone. Right. And he really, sure. he really walks the walk and talks the talk. And so he picks me up and he's like, hey, what happened to my friend? And I'm like, I just saw a load of emails from you on dress code. Like you and Krista sent out all these emails about like, hey, don't wear jeans. On Friday, you can dress casual, but it's professional casual. It looks like this. Dude, I went out and bought some button down shirts. He goes, it wasn't meant for you. <laughs> I was like, I was on the email. It said no chucks. I'm the only one that wears chucks. He's like, well, I'm missing. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it's like you—you you literally could have just sent that email to me, 
Yeah. Like nobody else in the office. Like I, I, I get it. <laughs> I'm wearing a button down for the first time in my life. Like I don't, I don't understand it. <laughs> well, yeah, it's very uncomfortable. Have you tried these things on? They're not. Yeah. Nice. Right. Where's yeah, my dirty right. Bill's t-shirt? What's going on? <laughs> you know, where's my Save Austin drink beer holdout brewing t-shirt? Like, what, what else do I got? You know, I just roll into yes. the office with <laughs> 10 different beer t-shirts and a leather jacket. And they, people are dressed to the nines. Clients are coming in. They're like, I read about you guys in Time Magazine. You know, they're like, oh, that's that guy over there. And they're in like suit suits, like custom made suits. Oh, yeah. And then it's me. Dirty yeah. bills. I'm like, burp, 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 burp. what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, I'm gonna get some coffee. You guys want anything? And they're like, we're good. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> just, you know, I'll be the wizard behind the curtain a little bit, but it's, but you know, it's, it's interesting because when you do something well, to your point, and 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 John's setting a a, a precedence, which I understand for new staff coming in, but when you do something well you don't have to dress in a three-piece suit to get someone's attention. When they're your client and they trust you, it's about meeting them at their level and also, in my humble opinion, bringing it up just a hair, just a hair. Right. Like, oh, you talking big words, great. I'll talk about, I'm, I'm actually gonna probably throw out a couple of words where you might go home and hit the thesaurus real quick and figure out what I said, which is all I wanted. Right. Not the whole yeah. conversation, but one or two words. I want you to know right. that aspirationally, I'm pushing myself hard so that your money is trying to keep up with me. And if I can create okay. that, I've got your trust a little bit because I want you to try to keep up with me a little bit. Like I want to get to where you're at financially, but I want you to understand that I'm working this hard that at some point you're going to get, you're going to have to try to keep up with me. Not arrogantly, but you know, in, in that delicate balance, right? Which Right. Bring it back to cops, bring it back to, uh, you know, firemen or postmen or, or nurses or doctors or anyone else. Right. I mean, that is the, the ultimate delicate balance. How do you manage balance? Yeah, that is a, that is a good question. <clears throat> long question. Five, five minutes long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so happy you followed it. <laughs> Yeah, managing. So, are you talking about from a, a client standpoint, or just about life? Just in life general? in general. Life in general. Because, because I, I think the way you're going to answer this is going to give people beautiful insight then into also how you handle your clients, how you handle your relationships personally and, and professionally, and then you know, and, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, family wise as well. Yeah. So, I can I can kind of relate it back to my job because sure. with work. I'm taking these very big complex ideas. And like you said, man, if somebody wants to sit down and they want to talk the talk, I'll talk about alpha. I'll talk about beta. We'll talk about R square. We can talk about all these, you know, technical aspects when it comes to, and I'm more than happy to do that. You know how many people have asked me about that? Big old <laughs> we, zero. By the way, folks, I know you guys love it when we just do hand signals on the podcast. We just held up a zero <laughs> but at the same time. <laughs> And so uh, my friend put it really in a really great way a few weeks ago, like, like true knowledge is what you can relate to other people or relay, excuse me, to other people mm -hmm. where you take these big ideas, break them down. And the way that I usually do that is speaking of metaphors. So when it comes to 
talking about the market and you know what's your tolerance what do you things of that nature i like to break that down and I, you know you can use the same metaphor over and over and over again and clients think you're really smart for it because you see you know 10 different clients during the day and it's like all right well they don't they don't talk to each other they don't know sure. um <clears throat> and so i found myself doing that more in um you know relationship with like my girlfriend or you know talking to my parents uh, and, and kind of breaking things down there where it's um you know it's not an errand it's a, you're coming to me or if if i know that i'm better at something than somebody else and they don't quite understand what that that is or the process to get there it's breaking it down in terms you're meeting them on their level mm-hmm. um in a way that's not not arrogant that's that's just what leadership is right sure at the end of the day like people are coming to work with me because they want somebody to lead them to where they need to be on their financial plan or you know whatever it may be whatever they're looking for right <clears throat> and so when it comes to balancing it out you know communication wise i think it's it's all about breaking things down in terms that everybody's going to understand that might not necessarily be the same for every person that you come in contact with. What's uh, what's one of your favorite metaphors? Because as soon as you said that, one popped into my head that I love to tell, and it always gives people a little moment of pause, and they kind of give me a chuck. I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna I'm gonna use that one. What's one of your favorites? Yeah, you you say yours first, and I'll think okay. of mine. Okay, I gotta think All of right. mine. So mine is is there's uh, there's intelligence and, and wisdom. Right. So intelligence is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. That's just intelligence. Wisdom is not putting tomatoes in your fruit salad. That's perfect. (laughs) That's That's so good. My favorite because people like instantly everyone looks at a fruit salad. They're like, if you put tomatoes in this fruit salad, Mm -hmm. you're a monster it's still a fruit. So it's, it gives people that all of a sudden they get to pull back and go, Oh, this person can see the forest for the trees. He's crazy. He goes after stuff, but it's not blind. It's with intelligence. It's with understanding. It's with nuance. I mean, and you know, this nuance is crucial, right? That idea of how you're going to explain it, why you're going to explain it. All right. those things are nuanced. Right. It is the thing. And I think people like to glorify, you know, people like to glorify the grind, you know, especially yeah. like in the millennial generation, which admittedly I'm in. Um, they're like, oh, you know, I'm in love with the grind. I love, love the grind, but they only want to talk about the sexy part of the grind where it's like, all right, like here's the payoff. The real grind is exactly what you just said, where it's the nuance day to day. Okay. Like, I'm presenting on Friday. I'm going to go over that presentation at least 20 times this week and make sure that I know exactly what I'm going to say in each mm-hmm. spot, when I'm going to ask questions, when I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Uh, and, and that's not as sexy to talk about or to think about, but that, that is the grind. The grind is not, you know, getting a million clients in, in like one week, which is great. That's not the real grind. Yeah. <clears throat> So my favorite metaphor that I use, um, one that, that kind of just came to mind, I think it's been a while since I've used it, but you know, you talk about 
especially in a market like this, people want to day trade or, uh, you know, swing from the moon, I want to call it. Uh, I kind of equate that to driving. Like me personally, mm-hmm. drive a little, little, little fast because I like to get to places and I can say that because I drove from Oklahoma down to Austin yesterday. I was in a, I was at a bachelor party all weekend. Uh, so set cruise on 85, get in the left lane, move over to the right lane whenever, you know, I'm there's not, or yeah, there's nobody in front of me in the right lane, you know, mm-hmm. you're supposed to drive. Um, or just stay in your lane no matter where you're at. Yeah, um, I'll get around. I say, right. So I'm going to equate me setting cruise control and just going for it mm-hmm. as being really steady in the market, being invested in the companies that you really like. And then if you're day trading or swing trading or momentum trading or whatever you want to uh, classify it as, you're that guy that everybody hates when they're driving because they're going 90 and they're slamming on their brakes as soon as they get to the, the tail of somebody changing lanes or they're like going forward and then they're slamming on their brakes again and they're changing lanes left and right and back and forth and you know it is (laughs) just like thinking about it because i saw some of those people yesterday it just like makes me mad um but that's day trading and at the end of the day if you get in your lane you put on cruise control and you just drive usually you're probably going to pass that person who's who's going left and right in and out and, and swerving and trying to find the best their best strategy rather than just seeing what you know saying i'm going to be steady it's not going to be as volatile let's just keep going down this path and get to where we're going absolutely no i I couldn't agree with you more your your analogy brought something into my brain that so i road trip with my daughter a lot she's now seven but she's been road tripping with with me since she was what's that who who do you road trip with my daughter She's, um, she's been doing it since, I mean, she was, she's been coming to business meetings with me since she was three months old. Oh, wow. I mean, I'm walking, That's awesome. into, walking into a boardroom and I've got the baby in the bassinet. <laughs> and I remember one guy looked at me and he's like, I didn't know we were bringing kids. And I'm like, sorry for the problem. I'll leave. And I was the linchpin to get the deal done. And he didn't know. And my buddy's like, Jake, stay. And I'm like, no, I'm good. You want to insult my kid? I'm out. That is such a power move. I, I love it. Oh my gosh. And here's the thing. Oh my I goodness. I was dead broke. I didn't have a dollar in my bank account. I needed that check mm-hmm. to keep lights on in my house. But yeah. I wasn't going to let someone say anything disparaging about my daughter. I'd eat dog food before I would let that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. And we got the deal. We got the money left with a bigger check than we there thought we were going to. But, <laughs> you bring, you know, your analogy of the car thing reminds me, like, my daughter's a day trader. So I get on the highway. We're cruising somewhere. We drove from here to Tampa. Wife flies. I put her on a jet. She flies. I look at the kid and I'm like, mm-hmm. we're going to drive, but you got to pick the car. So first of all, she makes me look like a complete asshole. And she goes, I like this. And it's a convertible red Mustang. And I'm like, fantastic. Your dad's almost 50. This is perfect. Like, this is the car you're doing. Yeah, right? <laughs> just, just I mean, midlife crisis, it is, anyone? It is, it's yeah, it's one of those car. weird things that, like, I, I feel really, like, kind of weird saying it. But if you're driving, like, a 
Mustang or like a Camaro or something like that. And it's not like a, you're not driving a Shelby or like a Hellcat. Yeah. And you're 50, it's like, what? Um, what? You know, it, it's kind of a bad thing to say, but I. But also, are always, you getting dinner at 7 Eleven like, tonight? Because it looks like you are. Right. <laughs> right. And so oh, I would get it on cruise. Like we get on the highway. I'm like, we are on cruise. We're going down 85. Boom. You're, you're, I'm with you. Get me in that lane. Let's go. And every time we get some momentum, every time we're going, she's my day trader. I got to pee. Hey, we should get a snack. Hey, did you see that sign? Hey, we should oh, go no. here. Hey, what's a day's in? Hey, what's this? You know, and you, all of a sudden you're like, well, I mean, we're on a road trip. I'm going to pull over. But a five-hour trip or a 10-hour trip turns into a 20-hour trip. I mean, it took us two and a half days to get to Tampa. Because one, we went along the coastline. So we went through all the national parks along the coastline. Here, you get like a run-over armadillo, a dead deer, some snakes. Oh, yeah. There, it's alligators cut in half by semis. Yeah, right. It's, it's terrifying. It's just nuts. And... You know, we're driving along, we're stopping at hotels by the beach and we're swimming in the pool and we're getting up in the morning and we're having fun. You know, it's like, when are we going to drop the top? Like it's 7 a.m. <laughs> like, can we just, can, can it get above 60? Like that'd be nice. Yeah, right. And then as soon as you pull over, drop the top, you know, she's a kid, she's a girl, she's got long hair. Then it's blowing everywhere. And she's like, hey, can you pull over, put the top up? I'm like, we just got to 85. <laughs> we just got to our speed. We just got yeah, to right. our lane. We just passed all the big trucks. Like we're just all by ourselves. She's like, yeah, I'd put the top up. Yeah, right. Right. And it's, it, 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 you know, it, it's funny because I'm sure you deal with this all the time. You've got, you've got the path. You've got the pattern. Everyone agrees on it. They're like, this is what we're going to do. A hundred percent. And then they're like, do you know, two miles up the road, they're selling peanut brittle, Michael. Do you know that? Yeah. We should pull over. <laughs> Right. And you're looking at the rearview mirror and you're seeing the 30 semis that you just maneuvered around so that you could just find oh, the yeah. clear lane. And you're like, I think that they is... sell peanut brittle at your house. And they're like, maybe. Yeah, right. <laughs> Not on the roadside. <laughs> Not over here. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, like, day trading also has its place. Like, a lot of people have made a oh, lot of money yeah. day trading. But yeah, in reality, there's it's some, like, listen, there's some like, people who just rode GameStop to death. Right. For an hour. But it's a, uh, I think 90% of day traders fail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get that 90% to try, but 10% who are able to do it, like, congratulations. Oh, wow. I, I don't know the secret, but I'm going to stick to what I know, you know? Oh, you should. So let's get, let's get one question in the weeds. And if this, if answering this question would get you in any trouble whatsoever, then just say pass. Yeah. Cryptocurrency, where are you at? Oh, man. Of course. Of course. <laughs> I bought on Cash App. I put like $100 into some crypto three mm. years ago when Cash App first opened up their thing and they're just like, oh, you can buy crypto in here. I put like 100, yeah. 200 bucks in there. It's at $4,000 now. Oh, wow. Wait, what did you buy? I bought some Bitcoin at when it was yeah. at like below 5000 and now it's at fifty. And I was like, oh, wow, this works out really well for me. But then it dipped again. Wow. And I yeah. lost, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a thousand bucks in there now. I don't really care. It's just fun to watch it go. So what are your thoughts? Is it going to sustain? Or what I think, and I could be wrong, and I'm okay with being wrong, is that Bitcoin goes up, 
there's some Russian, Chinese, Venezuelan billionaires that watch their money go up in, in crypto. Like, I need to get out of this country. And they cash out their crypto and they buy their $100 million Manhattan townhouse, which is basically just a, a piggy bank. They might as well just buy a storage unit and put right. gold bars or cash in it. It drops. The other people wait. It comes back up. And then, you know what? They sell out and it drops. And it kind of does this ride at about where it maxes at about 50 or 60. Mm-hmm. And then it just, you know, crashes back down to 10. Do you think that's going to be the same thing, especially as more and more coins come on the market? Or is it going to stabilize at some point and be a little more relative to maybe a place where you would be comfortable uh, advising people to invest in? Or maybe you are now. I don't know. Yeah. So I own um, Grace, Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. Okay. Um, for me and like maybe like two or three clients. Uh, and those clients are like really, really aggressive. Um, mm-hmm. Hey, Draco, you say hey? <laughs> Look at you. Let's get him go. Dog. Folks, you're missing out on, on a beautiful right. pup who's just loving her dad. Yeah. Look at that. Oh, he's got the hand motions. He's doing the sit. Folks, let me tell you something right now. This is These are the winning moments right here. Now I'm trying to keep him keep him entertained. Got his toy and I'm throwing it around. But uh, yeah, with cryptocurrency, I own it myself because I think like I understand the risk and if I lose the money that I have in it, like it's okay. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, something that I just can't get around is like, we really don't know who made Bitcoin. Like we know the name of the person, but we don't Kinda. know, like yeah. we like, like, yeah, you can attest, like we don't know <laughs> who it actually is, right? Nobody's mm-hmm. come out of the weeds and says like, hey, I was, I was actually the person that made it. Um, there's a snake handler in Alabama that will tell you Satan himself made it. All right. That's right. That's right. Snake bit his wrist is because he bought some Bitcoin. That's where Satan came from. The coin. That's right. Money, son. (laughs) Whether it's digital or physical, you are making love with your mind and your wallet when you slide it in, you horrible son of a bitch. That's right. (laughs) So is that weird? I don't necessarily. Is there another? Is there? I'm sorry to interrupt, but is there another thing out there? That is as successful as Bitcoin, where we don't know who created it. Besides yeah, I, like nothing, nothing comes to mind. Honestly, it's it's one of those it's one of those things. Like that's that's something that I can't get my head around. And mm-hmm. there's a a lot of people. Actually, there's only a few people who own the majority of Bitcoin, right? Yeah, true. We look at like the the actual numbers, and so we we look at what's backing it. I can't tell you what's backing it is people say it's valuable, right? Which you oh, can, yeah. you can like kind of make the case for the U S dollar, but it's more universally accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't fully understand blockchain technology. So to answer your question, I think it'll be around, but I don't know if it's going to be as big as, you know, people are saying it is, it's going to be now because when we look at, <clears throat> we look at the crypto and blockchain uh, have you heard of non-fungible tokens? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So NBA, I'll use NBA Top Shot as like an example. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts, they they like have talked about NBA Top Shot quite a bit. Um, but you're buying a gif of like, you know, Zion Williamson, like dunking on somebody and you like own the rights to that gif. And every time there's a transaction with it, you know, Zion gets a kickback and 
you buy it for like 500 bucks and you can sell it within like two hours for like 800. Like it is, it's super volatile, but I think that is a result of the amount of money that's in crypto right now. Like people have just made so much money that they're just like, well, I guess this is just like the next thing. Like Jack Dorsey, he's selling his first tweet. Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter and Square, um, is selling his first tweet for, I think the last bid was like 2.3 million dollars for the rights Why? to his first tweet i don't exactly and you can you can go online and you can see the the gif or the highlight of zion dunking on somebody you can see the you can go to twitter.com and you can look at jack dorsey's first tweet and so it is uh like that's something that's really perplexing to me and that quite frankly i don't understand um you know i do need to do a little bit more research when it comes to it uh, and I do think it overall, it is a good idea when it comes to um, doing things overseas because you don't have mm -hmm. to pay the fines when it comes to um, conversion of currency. Sure. So that makes a little bit more sense to me. But you know, at the end of the day, it's uh, the thing that I keep on getting hung up on is one, who made this and who owns the majority of the Bitcoins out there? And then two, uh, you know, what's actually can get besides people saying, yeah, it has value. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the value part that I understand from my, once again, a limited prospect is, you know, it's just, it's availability, right? So how many are available and how many can be created at the availability rate, right? At the churn rate, at the, at the breaking point, like when you break another block in the blockchain, like how many blocks are right. before it's done? So I get, I, I, I tentatively understand and get the value there. I'm with you on who created it. Um, it's a, it's pretty sketchy as far as outside of and not knocking in, in any way these people, but outside of religion where you're like, show me your mm -hmm. God. And they're like, oh, I can't. Uh, that's the same with right. Bitcoin, right? It's like, show, show me who created Bitcoin. Like, ah, that's a tough part. Uh, yeah, like the guy who came out with Dogecoin was like, yeah, you know, I made it in about six hours and it was a joke. And uh, now people are actually buying it. Did you see the Mavs are taking it of payment now? Yeah, I, I mean, well, I think what people realized is that the, the technological achievements of Bitcoin really aren't that great. They're not, but they're unique, which allows someone then who has relationships and who's got some intelligence like a, you know, to do that same thing, but then leverage the relationships. Like Bitcoin didn't have relationships to leverage. This didn't. So it was a slow right. growth, but it laid the groundwork for all these other ones. And also right. all these other failures of exchanges that kind of come and go and cold storage and not cold storage. And what are you doing? And I think it's more, it's also fascinating. You do the research, you find out all the Bitcoin that's lost. Like there's a guy oh, yeah. in London, he has $700 million in Bitcoin on a computer and his maid accidentally threw the jump drive away. He has done the math and the algorithm to figure out in the landfill where it might be based on how landfills move mm -hmm. and where it could be. And he has asked the, uh, the local government there if he can just dig in the landfill. And they've told him no. Oh. hundred million dollars yeah did you and see you that uh that guy in san francisco 
who he had he had like 400 million so you know we're not not 700 million but Still, 400 million 400 million <laughs> i i would take that i would take that and nobody would ever see me again i'll tell you ever see here's the problem right? Hold on, million let's, dollars. Let's, let's, let's run down this let's run down this road really quick before, actually finish your story and then we're going to run down that road really quick so yeah so the guy's got 400 mil <laughs> so 400 million and he had 10 guesses in order to open his like blockchain yes. or digital yeah. wallet the the past he had, he had like five characters two, long right he had like two or three left um and they're like you know what can we do and some people are like okay like i can hack that but um i'll take 10 percent of 100%. whatever it is that i have. hack it yeah hack it get it yeah oh only 360 million dollars instead of 400 take it. i don't know but yeah it is uh <laughs> it's pretty wild some of the stories that you hear out there and then there's a there's a group who their founder um i guess this was when bitcoin was around 20 25 they it was a group that had invested in bitcoin and their founder died and he was the only person that knew what the password of bitcoin was and so it was it was like 400 million or something like that like upwards of that at twenty-five thousand, that he died nobody's so ever known the password so, so it's just lost and so right <laughs> so so two things I, w- I want to touch with you on one the money and then two the hackers because i had an interesting thing with the hackers that i will go down and people are like it went a little dark jay like, probably did a little crazy that's okay yeah but first what is your what's your dollar figure that says you'll just find me on an island. And listen, if we're good friends, I'll fly you out. But I'm not, I'm hanging out. Like I've got my margarita shack on the island. No one knows I have whatever amount of money I have. Yeah, right. (laughs) What's that comfort level for you so that you can ensure one that you and let's say whatever kids or adoption agency or animal shelter, when you pass along that your money lives and grows. What's the, what's your magic number that says whether it's the lottery when it was at a billion dollars or you know it's Bitcoin at four hundred million? What's your what's your magic number that has you just going? I'll see you guys later. Yeah, that's a good question. Probably. I mean, so I'm twenty five right now, okay. so still a long way away. But man, if I on an island. I'm thinking about prices of islands, probably anywhere from like 50 to the hundred million range. Like okay, people still, say that's not you're, that you're much private money. jet. You're still that's running a, around in private jets though. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Like, <laughs> like that is a lot. Of, like I watched the Epstein documentary and mm-hmm. his net worth was only, only in quotes, it was only worth like 400 million, something like that. Mm-hmm. And you see like everything that he had, like all these estates, like, yeah, Manage, you know, managing debt, hundred million debt, growing wealth, right? I mean, right? What? Yeah, Epstein didn't buy anything in cash, right? Right. So his island was leveraged, right? Right. So I will manage so, my wealth. You manage my debt. Bank X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm yeah. Sure so that would be. I do. I don't think I could actually go live on an island, and you know get never see people again mm-hmm. um but you could do a nice because gotta live out the oh yeah 
Oh yeah, that might actually run you about fifty million in a few years. So we'll yeah. uh, we'll see. And then, and then the taxes. <laughs> guess what? You're gonna need about oh, four hundred yeah. million. Uh, that's right. Your property tax is gonna be like a million dollars uh, a month. Uh-huh. Come on. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but yeah. So um, yeah, something along those lines. What about yourself? What's uh what's your number? Uh, you know, my number is about. So I have, I have this I have this joke with a friend of mine. And I have a history with this, so it makes a little more sense for what mm. the way my brain works. When I was uh, 13 years old, I got the, uh, the paper. My mom called me into the living room. She goes, honey, I want to show you the paper. I'm like, okay. And I remember I cut this article out and I taped it, which was like poor man's lamination back in the day, kids. Yeah, I right. my wallet and I carried it around for five, six years. My dad... Uh, who was married to somebody else and lived in uh, another city, another state, he, uh, he won the lottery. Wow. And this was 1987, 88. He won almost $4 million. A lot of money back That's then. a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, a lot of money now, I, 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 would, I would take $4 million now. But yeah. yeah. But it was a lot of money back then, especially... Um, and so my thing is, out, you know, and I remember joking around, I was talking to my dad and I go, Hey, what's the worst thing about winning the lottery? And he goes, being married. <laughs> he goes, you have to share it. Yeah. Cause in, in, in the state where he was in, right? Like you, you can't, you can't be an unknown entity to claim the lottery winnings. You have to be, you mm-hmm. know, you have to go in your picture, your ID, and then the newspaper shows it, which is why we got it in Montana, because he's originally from Montana, where I was born. And, you know, so I have this fascination that as long as it's under $200 million, I really believe I could win the lottery and then never let my family know we won the lottery and just live a very comfortable, good life and give to a lot of charities. Because, yeah. and, and, and people be like, oh, why would you be so deceitful? Why would you, I'm like, first of all, I saw what money did to my dad. I saw what new wealth did and how it, it really fractured yeah. a lot of relationships. You can talk about how, you know, like money doesn't change anything. It's like, no money, money absolutely changes things. And sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse, like having yeah. money gives you power mm-hmm. and it just depends on what you want to do with that power. You have the, also, you have the ability to in, influence people and have a lot of good. And, you know, that's, it's one of the reasons I you know, aspire to make a lot of money someday. But it's also it's one and of to live a comfortable life. Like it's not. Yeah. But it's also it's yeah. like, do you, do you want that weight on everyone? It's I mean, there's a part where people are like, oh, is that deceptive? And I go, it, there's a part of it that is 100. percent But there's a part of it yeah. that goes, do I really want my daughter or my wife to live with that weight? And the only reason I can say that is because I literally came from that. Right. No money. My dad was a barber. He cut hair, 10 bucks a haircut, <laughs> almost $4 million. Right. Right. So how much easier would life have been? And he tried to keep it as much of a secret as possible, but how much easier would life have been if, uh, if no one knew? Well, a lot easier, right? No one's calling him up, asking for money. There's a, there's a lot of things. And then there's also the stress of like, oh, hey, guess what? Um, Aunt Sally over here. Uh, there was snow hit Austin. Are you buying her groceries now? Like if no one knows and you just did it, it's a very nice gesture. 
right. everyone knows you have the money and you did it, well, you're expected to. Don't be a dick. Right. Right? Yeah, right. And, and so, so it's like going to dinner with that person. It's like, yep. Oh, well, we're going to go to dinner. So, like, obviously, you know, like Jason's going to pay. Like, why, why wouldn't he? Like, why yeah. wouldn't he? That's one of my things. My, my, the, the, our rich friend, every time we go to dinner, every time, a separate check. I'll take a separate check. I'm not, yeah. my, my boss always busts my balls. He's like, Jay, you're so cheap. I'm like, no, 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 no. I pay for things I can afford. If you get hit by a bus or died of a heart attack tomorrow and I had to pay my expense report and everything else was caught up in probate court or whatever else is going on, John, what do I do? Well, I paid a $100 Southwest ticket to come out and see you. So I can afford that. I mean, I can right. afford more, obviously. I own a house in Austin, Texas with a pool. But my family's not going to be put out for a week or a day right. or a moment. It's just, if a hundred bucks evaporates, if 200 bucks evaporates, good, it's gone. Okay. I'll see you later. I didn't lose. You know, we go out and have dinner and he's eating dinner and he's like, dude, you got chicken. Everyone else got steak. I'm like, I can afford chicken. If you, if someone came in and shot and you got the nice bottle of wine and I got the Coors Light, guess what? My Coors Light and chicken cost me 50 bucks. Yeah. Your dinner is $1,000. Now you can afford the $1,000 and you can afford me to have the $1,000 meal, but I can't afford it. And I don't want that right. taste in my mouth. Right? And I, want, and I still want to wear that weight. So that, that's that explanation. On the, on the hacker side, so I got to tell you this. So I have a friend of mine who's a, a, a dark hat, a black hat hacker. And we've known each other for, I don't know, 10 years, 11 years. And... Um, I was a, I was a little sauced and a little fired up and there's a lot of stuff going on on planet earth. And he texted me and said something snarky and we were going snarky back and forth. And I've had some friends, some very, very dear friends of mine who have, uh, who have stepped in and, and literally put their lives on the line to stop some, uh, some, some sex trafficking rings. My buddy Maniac, yeah. he literally changed the code that stopped Backpage. So 100,000 sales of minors and women was stopped with him just do, 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 doing his little code thing. Yeah, that's awesome. And I have another that, friend. You know, that's Sorry to cut you yeah, off. No, like, that's a, that's a real hero. Like, yeah. we were talking about heroes earlier. Like, that is a real hero. Like, you want to look up to somebody? Like, that's somebody to look up to, you know? And he's still with his seven DARPA contracts and his other military contracts. He still has a hard time getting you. He still is struggling to get you a citizenship. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. It heart. Wow. Uh, you know, because of just the, the, what I don't understand. Right. I, and, and I don't understand that, that part of the world. And so I don't, I don't pretend to, I just know disappointment mm -hmm. when I see certain people getting it. And I don't see him getting it. And I'm like, he's saving thousands of lives. He's, you know, he's moving people out of sex trafficking. I mean, this is, right. you see, to your point, he's a hero. So I'm talking to this black hat and uh, my, a buddy of mine had just stopped a, uh, not, he had testified and helped stop a, a smaller ring in, um, in the, on the East coast, but you know, a hundred people just trading or not a hundred people, a hundred kids being traded between like 20 families adoption yeah right boom 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 
That's what I told him. He goes, oh, well, glad your buddy stepped up. And it's, just, it's something about, you know, text. Text can hit you wrong, right? I mean, it's just words. There's no, you don't understand. So you're reading emotion into it. And it just hit me wrong. And I go, hey, man, I just want to let you know something. For whatever it's worth. Because I know where you live and you know where I live. However, I know that you live behind a keyboard. And I was raised in Montana by an abusive alcoholic who would wake me up at three in the morning and just be punching me in the fucking head. Mm-hmm. I learned how to fight by him taking me into bars at 15 and walking up to grown men saying, that guy over there said he fucked your wife last night. And then someone just walk over and I'm like, I'm 15. I'm having a beer in a bar with my dad. I'm like breaking all the rules. And all of a sudden I'm punching yeah. him the side of the head. And this guy's like, you fucked my wife? I'm just like, huh? He's like, what? Like, you got to so, have quicker reflexes. You know? <laughs> We're going to do this again <laughs> next weekend. I'm just like, I don't know what this is. I don't, I got problems with this. Yeah. So we go through this story and I, I told him, I go, Hey, uh, I got a daughter now and you have an opportunity. You have a real opportunity as a black hat to step in and stop these things. And I don't understand whether it's not getting paid or I don't, I don't know where your world works that you guys aren't just blowing the lids up like WikiLeaks, just hacking everyone's accounts and just blowing the lid off of anyone who, who does this stuff, like no mystery, this isn't a conspiracy theory, like just go after them. And if they exist, shine a light on them. If they don't, let them go, right? I go, but for some reason you don't, and I don't understand why, and I don't need to understand why, but please understand this from me to you as a friend of yours for a decade, understand this. You never stopped this. I've never seen you step in. I've never seen you do anything to stop this. And that is okay. But if anything ever happens to my daughter, you're the first person I kill because you could have stopped it a long time ago, way before my daughter. And he's like, Jay, you got to understand. I go, no, 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 there's no more conversation. I need you to type back, okay, that you understand what I'm telling you. Well, Jay, no, 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 no. I need an okay. I want you to understand. Because now the good old boy's coming out. Now the guy who's bucking bales at the ranch. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, the, the kid who at seven was left alone all by himself on a river creek for 12 hours fishing so that the family could eat. Well, my grandfather went and ran around and, and roped steers and did other shit. That kid's here. And I'm angry. Because now I'm being reminded of what you're not doing. All the skills you have. I mean, we worked with Lloyds of London and hacked them to show them how vulnerable Lloyd's of London was. Mm -hmm. And he won't do this other thing. Yeah. And I was, I was telling my wife, my wife's like, do you really need to anger this person? I'm like, I'm not trying to anger him. I do want to challenge him, you know, maybe a little too much David Goggins in there. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Full circle. But I, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I don't, I don't have any empathy. I mean, it, it'd be like if you know, if you're, if you were my financial advisor, and all around there's all this fraud going on, and they go, "Hey, what are you doing about fraud?" And you're like, "Jason, there's no fraud." And I go, "There's fraud. I just saw Bernie Madoff get arrested. How do I make sure?" And you're like, it "Doesn't exist. The Antifa doesn't. This, no, no, Jason, you're getting excited about something that doesn't matter. Don't worry right. about my fee structure. Don't worry about this. Everything's going to be okay." I. I, I can't wrap my head around the fact that um, 
that we don't have that accountability, whether you break the law or not, to go after there and do that. Now, my question to you is after that little diatribe and little story and soapbox is, how far am I overreacting? Because I know I am. <laughs> or maybe I'm not. I don't know. Yeah. I, I would, first, I think that's a righteous anger, right? I don't think that's like a... Oh, I like that when righteous we look at anger. Like, yeah. When we look at things to get angry about, that's, that is a, a good thing to get angry about, right? So... Um, when it comes to overreact, I don't think that's an overreaction. Because uh, if you have the ability to do something, mm-hmm. but you don't do it for whatever that reason is, um, but at the end of the day, like it would be a good thing. It kind of makes you question why, why are they not doing it? Yep. So I really would be kind of curious to hear what your buddy's response would be, where it'd be like, hey, like, you know, you know, this is how this world operates. Right. Cause that's a completely different world than, than mm-hmm. I'm used to. Right. Sure. I'd log into my you know, advisor stuff and, and I'll do it and I'll put on a VPN for security and, you know, we'll, uh, you know, we have, we obviously have security measures in place. Excuse me. Uh, we have security measures in place. Um, but when it comes to coding or hacking or anything like that, like, I, I have ID shield and I just pray that it, so yeah, if somebody is that powerful and they're not doing anything about it, um, that is, I, you know, something we're having to your daughter, like I would, maybe not come, but he could probably help you figure everything else out, but uh, <laughs> maybe we can uh, you wake him up with punches at 3 a.m. How about that? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you you start taking him to bars and yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Just give him a little. A little um, hey, by the way, this hour is yeah. right, in case you're wondering. My right just. Yeah, I know. Right. I think. <laughs> yeah, there's a. There's a. I forgot who said it. I think it was one of my friends, or it might have been me, but we were talking about like people in Texas and just like the character of people in Texas and his in texas people kind of treat you exactly how you deserve to be treated you know based Mm -hmm. off of your character especially in austin like you're saying like you meet a lot of people and i think the assumption is like if you have a house in austin you're you're probably crushing it but it's never it's not like a dallas where you're keeping with the joneses and it's like well look at like look at my car and like look at the clothes that i'm wearing and also i'm like fifty thousand dollars in debt but like don't worry about it in austin it's just like people seem to live by their means and really enjoy you know, life in general. And so um, going back to the character of people in Texas, uh, somebody once said, you know, in Texas, like, if you act like a bitch, we're going to treat you like a bitch. And if not, then we're fine. And so tying that back down, down to your buddy, it's like, if he is being a coward and he's not stepping up to a certain degree, then he is accountable for, you know, something happening, right? Like yeah, if we're on a street corner, here's a metaphor, here's a metaphor for you. Like if we're on a street corner and your daughter's across the street and we see somebody just come and like, you know, God forbid, like snatch her up and drive off in a van and we just turn around and walk away. Is that right? No, like obviously it's not right. So if you're in a position of power and you don't do anything about it, 
then that makes me question why are you in that position of power yeah no i i couldn't agree more you know it's a i um i get a lot of i'm a big which is why i think i love texas so much why i hated living in california no knock on my friends in california but i hated living there because (laughs) accountability is crucial responsibility is crucial it just is i'm just i couldn't get away with anything as a kid growing up i couldn't and and that's good and that's a good thing i'm not i'm not you're also talking to a, a guy who um both of his parents dad was raised in troy alabama Mom was raised in Birmingham, Alabama. Come on now. Came home. I came home. Uh, I was 21. Came home for senior year, you know, like the winter break or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I said, my dad asked me something. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. He goes, he looks me dead in the eye, you know, put on his dad voice and said, I'm a sir. Just like, yeah. all right, yes, sir. <laughs> what about my merry way? Because my mama always tells me you're never too old for a spanking. She tells me that to this day. So I, I, I love your, I got goosebumps. I love your parents more now. I'll tell you this. My daughter, I look at her and I'll be like, Hey, what's that? She goes, yes, sir. I'm like, there you go. Or we'll be out of house. And someone will be like, she'll be with some kids, 10 mm-hmm. kids running around. Who wants juice? We do. I'm like, and she'll hear me yell. Harper. She goes, could I please have some juice? My apologies, bad manners. I'm like, there you go, kid. I don't care what the kids do. I don't care. But you're going to say, please. You're going to say, yes, ma'am. And yes, sir. You're, you're not above it. You're never above it. I, you know, I I love that, man. I love that level of responsibility and and ownership and just that idealism that, 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 that comes with the concept of I'm, I'm good being held accountable because I do love Mm -hmm. that. Right. right. And that also means I'm holding other people accountable because I also love that. I think that's great. You know, I, I think all we do is win when we hold each other accountable and we actually, when we actually put someone's feet to the fire and make them better, nothing, there's no diamond forged in the Play-Doh factory. There's not. So right. why do we treat the world that way? You know, um, I, I obviously, I think, you know, there are times and moments where I go a little too far and I get, and my relationships with some influential people probably get pushed uh, to, to their limit a little bit hard because I just, I can't live in a world where there's not. I mean, whether it was Adler leaving during COVID or Cruz leaving during Snowbud, I was oh my just because I don't see an R and a D. I see a leader leaving. And as soon as I see right. a leader leaving, I'm it's like, not oh, even like you're not a leader. You know, right. There's there are things like, you know, there are a lot of memes out there. It's like, this is what liberals wanted Ted Cruz to do. And it's like yep. Ted Cruz shop, like working on a power line. It's like, no, that's like you were missing the point completely. And we don't have to, you know, dive into politics, but yeah. it's like an army leader going up, troops need him in battle. Um, and then he just walks away and just says, Hey, yeah. I'm good. Uh, y'all are, y'all are good here. And I'm just going to go. It, it really up. is. That looks, um, I'm going to, I'm going to take the chopper up later after you guys, you know, do all the work. I'll, I'll meet you up top. Yeah. 
And that's right. and, and folks, for everyone listening, this is not an R and a D thing. This isn't a Republican and a Democrat thing. I right. listed a Republican and a Democrat in, in my complaint for a very specific reason. It is that we need to take a hard, hard break and stop creating public servants as celebrities because mm-hmm. they are public servants. And God bless them for doing it, the ones that do it right. God bless them for doing it, the ones that do it right. Yeah. And, they're, and guess what? And to your point earlier, you, you don't really hear that many great stories about the ones who do it right consistently. No, you hear moments. I do not personally, this is not Michael speaking, this is Jason speaking. I personally am not a fan of AOC and her politics. However, she raised $5 million for the people of Houston, Texas to get clean water and food. Young lady, I don't agree with you on a lot of things. And by a lot of things, I mean probably 99% of the things. And that's okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to. I think the fact that that moment wasn't celebrated, right? that a young woman who is diametrically opposed to 90% of the things that happen in Texas, from helicopters with M60s mounted to it, just mowing down pigs, to driving 75 or 85 on freeways. Like, I'm sure there's a litany of things that she can look at Texas and go, I don't like. And I'm sure there's a litany of things we could look at her district in New York and go, I don't like. But at that young age, that young woman decided to put all those things aside and just raise some money for some people in need. You know, and it, it's one of those, you know, uh, it's one of those things where I, I just, I take a pause and, and I go back and I go, and that's probably where we need to be. Right. Right. It, it's also, yeah, I, you can look at that in one light and say, oh, she was just doing that for like the cloud and like wanted people to celebrate hers. Like all that be damned. Like she yeah. still raised $5 million. Like at the end of the day, she like, she still did something. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't, I don't care what her motives were behind it. Like people are getting access to clean water and are rebuilding the city uh, just a little bit more because of what, because of her efforts. Yeah. I mean, we did a thing. I was, I'm on, you know, as, as you are, and we, this is how we got on the, you know, you got on the podcast. We're on some similar networking and Austin entrepreneur things on Facebook and LinkedIn and all that. And uh, I was on one one night and this gal reached out. She goes, my mom is 84 and she hasn't had water in two days. Can anyone help? So I, I said, message me. I got people. And so she messaged me and she goes, so she's in Cedar Park. I'm like, ah, that's like 50 miles away from me. God. And there's snow and, but I got a buddy who lives in Cedar Park. So I text him, I go, hey man, I know you guys don't have everything, but an 84-year-old woman, can I just connect you guys? Can you just bring her like a gallon of water, just something? He goes, Jay, hold on. So I introduce him, this daughter and her mom to my buddy, Elijah. He goes in, he swoops in and he brings her water and he brings her food and he brings her dog's water. And then he notices that because of the power outage and pipes breaking everything else, oh, their fridge is broken and their dishwasher is broken. And so I got him a new fridge and dishwasher as well and then filled them with food in a time when grocery store shelves were empty, which means 
he went into his fridge and he grabbed his friends and he took their food and he brought it to them to make sure they could eat. It is those moments. It's that thing. It's that idea. No one asked who voted for who. No one asked where they sat politically. You saw a need. You were an adult. You had resources. And you went above and beyond. And I would hope that through what happened, what's happened in COVID, what happened here with the weather, and what happens, I think, you know, everywhere on planet Earth at a moment's notice at different times, is that we would try to figure out how to do those moments a little bit better, right? That I don't need to see, you know, and I don't care where people sit with Trump or where they sit with Biden at all, but I don't need to see the vice versa. He's not my president. Oh, you know what? Get out of here. Go on, loser. Let's all unify right. now. No, no, no. Unify that way. Where's your neighbor? Where's your neighbor? Are they across the street? Did you go over? Did you check on them? Did you make sure they were okay? If you didn't right. do that, then what did you do? Like my neighborhood, we're blessed, man. I mean, I, you want to talk about getting on the short list. Like I'm never on the top 10 list with the, with the two ladies in my, in my household. <laughs> but I, I, on the Sunday when our water came on, I was flying. I was up at 4 a.m. I was flying out at 6 a.m. to go to California. For work and I tap my wife and I go hey babe it's all good the water's on I'm not leaving you without you got electricity and you have water now well, you got to boil it but you got water hmm. I don't feel bad I leave <sighs> land at my first layover phone rings I'm like what's going on she goes pipes are busted house is flooded so I went from savior you know and I'm gone and I'm gone yeah Call some, but I get a text a couple neighbors at eight in the morning on a Sunday. House, pipes, busted. They both come over, fix everything. Temporary fixes on everything until we got a plumber yeah. to fix everything and get everything done right. But once again, no one asked what I voted for. They're my neighbors, they're the people right. I give the avocado serrano mousse to for their breakfast tacos in the morning. They're the neighbors that we have beers together and I annoy the shit out of Trey because I'll ask him what time it is. He'll tell me how to build the watch and I'll interrupt him 900 times saying, tell me now, yes or no. He's like, well, you understand where the yes comes from? I'm like, I don't need to understand that. I'm, I'm drunk. I just want right. to hear yes or no. Come on. <laughs> I'm a psychopath. Yeah. It is those things that I wish we could hold on to more. Right? It's those moments where you want to you want to encapsulate and hold on to more because it is those things that I humbly believe really make this country great that, that pull us in that at the end of the day, no matter what you do for a job, right? It's almost like it should be a pre-qualifier. You know, it's like, if you had a qualifier, Michael, and you're I'm looking at your, I'm, I'm, I'm going to sign up and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to work with you. And it goes, what are your assets? How much you bring in? Do you have any savings? Oh, you're a 50 year old man and you have $200 in savings. All right, well, I mean, you probably gotta do some work. No debt, all right, that's a good thing. You're gonna have to curb your beer spending, Jason, because we gotta start saving some. You're gonna die soon, but let's leave some for the kids. <laughs> okay, the house is paid off, that's a good thing. All right, we're getting there. All right, we're working. 
Hey, do you right. help your neighbors in time of crisis? Okay, there you go. Boom. Right. There you go. Because at some point, right, you have neighbors. I have neighbors. When push comes to shove, are they your neighbors? Or is that a house across the street? And in Texas, I can tell you, man, folks, if you're listening somewhere else, and we have a lot of international listeners, I will tell you, they're neighbors. <laughs> you may not like them all the right, time, yeah. but they're neighbors, and they come through in a pinch. Yeah. Uh, Michael, for, for everyone who's out there, and uh, you know, our largest audience is obviously here in Austin, and then it kind of goes a little haywire, and I will send you numbers. It's always fun. I, the day after, so I'll post this, uh, the person who I actually had on for our, when we were gonna talk, I have to delay our, um, I think I said I got some breaking news, so I have to kind of delay it, so yours will come out first. But uh, the following day, I'll share with you the numbers, the countries, the random cities. Like we have listeners in Townsend, Montana. It's hilarious. Townsend, Montana is like 500. I love it. Yeah, it's, yeah. Just, <laughs> it's, it's weird. So it's just kind of fun thing. It's awesome. Looking through. But so for the people out there, and I know you're, you know, licensing and everything else, but for the people out there, um, if they want to get in touch with you or want to ask a question or whether it's your company or you, how do they get in touch with you? What's the, what's the best way to, for, to find you or your company? What do they do? Yeah. Uh, best way to find me would go to ironoakwealth.com. Okay. Just kind of revamp the website there. Uh, there's a contact, um, I guess a contact tab. So send an email, let me know that uh, Jason sent you and we can talk there. Feel free to add me on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram or there's a lot of Michael Harris's out there. Mm -hmm. So uh, might be a little difficult finding me there. Find the guy in the blue suit, um, man. You got to find the yeah. nice suit, the white shirt. Yeah. Come on now. That's right. And uh, I'll share I'll share with you my work email. You can throw it in the show notes or, or whatever. Okay. Um, I don't know if you have show notes, but um, yeah, I do. put it down on the bottom. Okay. Yeah. So feel free to contact me there. And uh, yeah. And if people just want to ask questions generally about the market, that's usually what I recommend is if you want to interview me and, and, you know, do like a little mock, like, what do you do? What are you about? What's your investment process? Just give me a, uh, you know, obligation free call or mm -hmm. set up a time and, and we'll just chat and see if it's a good fit. Nice. So now we started this thing off uh, I think before we hit record, you're like, man, I listened to some stuff. We chatted. I didn't know we'd be able to talk for two hours. We've now talked for two hours and 20 minutes. I love How did it. it go? <laughs> it's great, man. <laughs> so I thought we were going to be like dissecting each and every scene. And so uh -huh. I was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, the other guys is not that deep of a movie. What are, <laughs> what are we going to be doing? You know? So yes. Yeah. This is awesome, man. I, uh, I really appreciate you having me on. No, man. Thanks for coming on. It's, uh, it's, it's always fun to, uh, to have people on because one, you just, you, you come from a different world. You're not in the movies or in, in, you know, so-called entertainment world. Uh, you're, you're in a, you're in a highly regulated world, right. Of financial services, which is, which is always difficult and, and a delicate, uh, uh deliance and, and, uh, and game to balance. Uh, so that, that's always, you, you know, it's always fun to, 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 um, have people on that see the world, 
it's weird, right? Because there's like the movies, the other guys, especially if there's like no regulation, there's shit exploding and gunfire and everything. Yeah, right. Desk pops everywhere, right? Yeah. And then you've got, <laughs> you live in this structured world. So one, I, I love the contradiction uh, of, of lifestyle. And then, and then two, it's, uh, it's always fun for me to, to have people on that have the diversity that you have, right? Because you're a unique person in structure and not, there's not that music isn't structure but there's moments of music that aren't right there's moments of music that say show right. flair show who you are you know and right. we didn't get a touch as much on, on on your music and i'd love to have you on again and we'll talk more about music and other things but you know uh before we we go to our famous closing where my daughter sings about the first time she took a poop by herself uh <laughs> Right. She's like, how'd you get that recorded, Dad? I'm like, don't you worry about Dad. Oh, okay? my gosh. He's got, he's, got some, he's got some shit coming, son. All right, listen. That is so funny. Wait till your wedding night, kid. I got... Things. Yeah, man, I'm stuff. in... I've been in so many weddings, dude. It's just... I, I literally have a... From January to July, I have... I've been invited to at least like eight or nine weddings. And so, yeah. Here's my, here's my one trick for you. Here's my one fun thing to do. You got to pick a good friend. This is the best joke in the world to do. Figure out this week. I want, I'm going to, you know, 150 bucks, 200 bucks. Friend, wedding gift, nice mm -hmm. wedding gift. They're a good friend of mine. You 100% do it. But go to Target or wherever they have their, their registry at and buy as many wooden spoons as you can that fill that mark or toasters, preferably toasters, because you can get mm -hmm. a toaster at Target for like six bucks. Yeah. You can get a lot of them for six bucks. So at 200 bucks, you get a lot. And then you just box them up and then you tape them together and then you wrap them. You box them up, tape them together and wrap them, right? So they get like these three huge gifts from you. And then you give them an envelope and you tell me, do not lose this envelope. You cannot lose this envelope. Hand it to them. And it's the receipt for the 100 toasters or whatever it is, right? Yes. 50 toasters, <laughs> 35 toasters, whatever, you know, 50 toasters. Yeah taped together there's nothing funnier than think about this they go to target with their 50 toasters because you did not get them the KitchenAid mixer they wanted at 250 bucks you just got them 50 fucking toasters they have to go into target they have to get a shopping cart they have to then leave target with an empty shopping cart then they fill said shopping cart with 56 or five dollar toasters then they wheel all of them back in <laughs> and then they've got that receipt like CVS. It's like seven feet long. Oh my gosh. And I, go, <laughs> oh, I just need to return these. <laughs> There's nothing better. Nothing. That is I've awesome. done it. I've done it to a lot of, I gave one friend, uh, I did, uh, 400 wooden spoons at a dollar a piece oh my gosh <laughs> the call i got because they have to individually scan them so it's walmart right so it's like beep, 99 cents, beep, 99 cents. <laughs> no it took two hours it was this is the best yes Oh, that's such a good idea.
Just do it once. I've done it too many times. I have so much hate mail and so much. I mean, I have friends who's like, wait, you get married. I'm, like, I'm not telling you I'm getting married. Listen, if I messed up your wedding, yeah, I'm right. telling you when I get married, I'm going to get married in Thailand. Y'all can't mess with me. It's, yeah, that's it's, right. Uh, it's too much fun. So, yeah, brother, hey, man. My, uh, my roommates. Oh, sorry. Go. No, go ahead. Go, please. You're right. Yep. All right. So last story. My roommate's dad. Uh, he was like the last of his friends to get married. And so they trashed all of their friends' cars, you know, like writing on the, the windows and like putting cans behind and, you know, just like typical like dude stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so they, they just knew his wedding was coming. They're like, oh man, let's go. Let's, let, let's do this. Let's do this. We're going we're gonna to get his car worse than all of ours combined. We're going we're gonna to make it awful. And so... You know, it's closing of the ceremony for my roommate's dad's wedding. And, um, you know, he's walking out to the car and he just takes his keys, throws it to his best man and says, hey, would you drive that home for me? And right about that time, a helicopter comes and lands, gets in the helicopter with his bride, goes to an airport and then shuttles to the hotel for the night. (laughs) I was like, dude, that is that is so baller. That is so baller. (laughs) Hey, if you're going to be the last, be the last in style, right? I mean, just oh whatever. yeah, oh yeah. Talk and walk and be like, hey, oh, did you guys? Oh, did you give me square tires? That's cool. If you just drop that off the house, it'd be great. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, that noise? That's the helicopter picking me up because I'm an adult. That's right. <laughs> I didn't leave in a golf cart like you did when you were 21 getting married, you dummy. So, peace. Ah, uh, dude, that's right. awesome. Well, Michael, I'd, I'd love to have you on again. I really would. Uh, hopefully, you know, down the road. Um, my goal is, is that everyone in 2020 and, and mid through 2021, uh, as restrictions ease and other things change, right? We can do the, one of these in person. Uh, I have bars that I go to where we get a wait staff and we sit down at a table and we just raise our finger and the cocktail shows up and it's kind of fun. I love it. It's, it's a really good time. But uh, until then, I'd still, I'd love to have you on again to talk more about music because it's something I'm inept at. Uh, I don't have rhythm. The rhythm never came and got me. Uh, never, <laughs> and the rhythm is not going to get me ever. Yeah. I watch my daughter dance and I'm like, geez, you know what? You have a beautiful, I have a beautiful wife. Harper, you have a beautiful mother who knows how to dance. And somehow you look like me and have no rhythm. Like this is powerful, <laughs> Jefferson. Powerful, not good. I love it. But also, I mean, just just to chat with you more because you're uh, you're a lot of fun to talk with, man. I mean, uh, you know, this is uh, this has been insightful and fun. And uh, if you're you are uh, for your age, you're a very well-rounded man with with some really good insights and wisdom and uh, and i really mean that as a compliment in the fact that yeah i appreciate that i got to talk to a lot of people man i'm, I'm very blessed in the financial services world i got to talk to people i got to talk to people this podcast got to talk to people in other aspects of, of of other work that i do and you uh you got a bright future ahead of you you really do um i'm going to yeah, send you a separate email that. about some other stuff with our with my company that i do introduce mm-hmm. you to someone named jeremy if there's an opportunity, because we are licensed in Texas to work with you guys yeah. and some of your clients. I mean, I know Jeremy would love to, uh, and I can, I'll share with you privately um, through email and stuff, some other stuff that we're working on, what we're doing and why. 
share some stuff with you. Yeah. But, um, that said, think, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, sorry to interrupt, but, no, no. Um, you know, I, I just want to be as well-rounded and like pack as much into my schedule right now at a young age, because I know at one point in my life, I'm not going to be able to do the things that I'm doing now. I'm not going to be able to work eight, nine hours a day, go to the gym, come home, hop on a podcast, like watch a movie, like go to band practice. I know that life is going to get filled up really fast. And so I realized that, you know, probably 21 or 22. And so I just, I'll have moments where during the day, you know, it comes, you know, eight or nine o'clock at night. And it's like, man, I am, I'm so tired. And I always remind myself in those moments to take a step back and smile and, and laugh a little bit, because if I'm tired at that, you know, eight or nine o'clock, that means that I'm living life. Like yeah. I'm doing something that's making me tired. And uh, it, it, yeah, it's a, uh, that, that, I think that leads to the well-roundedness that you're, you're talking about and I'm using your words, not my own, but um, yeah, just trying to fill my schedule and, and live as much as I can now. Um, Cause I know one day I'm not going to be able to. Get old and tired like me, man. Get some gray in your hair and your beard and everywhere else. And you get, you know, you're like, I got to pick my moments now, son. But, <laughs> That's right. You know, I still, I, I still try to cheat. Uh, I, I use, I use a lot of Tim Ferriss stuff and cheat. Pop up pro vigil in the morning rocks me right through better than a cup of coffee. <laughs> there we go. You know, we have some after fun. your solitaire, right? After the solitaire, absolutely. Gotta wake the brain up first. That's right. If you are, folks, if you are drinking coffee before you're waking your brain up, then you're doing yourself a gross disservice. Have a cup of water, wake your brain up, and then excite your brain. Do not excite your brain first because then it's reliant on that to get moving. Don't be reliant on anything to get moving. Move yourself and then decide how excited you want to get where you want to go. What For whatever it's worth, party people. So with that said, uh, man, we're, I, I can't thank you enough for the time. I like to close with this. We can, uh, at any point in time, you know, whether it's an avocado or a banana or a loaf of bread, you can go buy it and it'll go bad. You can go buy some more. It's pretty simple, super simple. Uh, the one thing you can't get back is time. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter anything. You, you, you can't get the time back. You just can't. So it's always an honor and it's always a pleasure. It always overwhelms me in some capacity. It really does that people would spend two, two and a half hours with me talking because majority of the time they don't know me and they don't know what's going to happen to your point, right? Are we going to dissect the movie frame by frame? Like, and I am vague about it because I want the unknown coming in. I kind of want to catch you off guard. I want to just talk about random stuff. And I don't, I don't want people to come in with notes prepared. I want to have a conversation. Like I want to be like, if I met you and we kind of hit it off and we're sitting on my back porch and everyone's left the party and we're drinking beers, boom, perfect. We're just having this conversation. We're bullshitting around. I invite you back. Like, come yeah. on, man, have some more beers. Let's talk. But the time aspect, that's the thing. You never get it back. So whether someone has a busy schedule or no schedule, uh, it's still, it's, it's a commodity that you don't get back. So I'm, I'm always blessed and, and, and quite honestly overwhelmed and, and in awe of the fact that someone would, would, would take the time to talk with me. So thank you very much.
I really appreciate it. Please know that that uh, you gave me two and a half hours that, that that you can't get back, and that that does mean a lot to me. That does not go unnoticed. So thank you, and I, I know the listeners thank you as well. And now with that party, people, Michael will be back on again. We're going to pick another movie. We're going to we're going to figure something out. Whether we get drinks together, he comes to the house, and we just sit by the pool and have some cocktails. Whatever it is, we'll figure it out, folks. But until then, here you go. My daughter sing about the first time she took a shit by herself. She's very proud of it. You guys know it. You love it. Some of you just fast forward right to the end of this podcast just to get to this part, which you could just obviously just record on your phone and then put it as a ringtone. But you choose to do that instead. So whether you're in Kazakhstan or Brazil or China or Canada or one of our 50 states or Townsend, Montana, thank you for listening. Michael, thank you for your time, sir. So greatly appreciate it. Uh, we'll stay in touch. As I said, tomorrow you get some emails from me. And um, thank you very much. Thank you. Sir, thank you. All right, brother. We'll, be, we'll talk soon. You have a great night. Take that dog. Have some fun. And uh, Oh, man. He's ready to go. He's ready to go. <laughs> All right, brother. Uh, be All good. Right. See Peace. you, Jason. Thank you. Thank you. Okay.